Welcome to episode 192 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of WandaVision episode 9, the series finale, directed by Matt Shackman, written by Jack Schaefer, who is also the head writer on the series. But before we start talking about WandaVision episode 9, the series finale, just want to let you know what we've got going on with our Patreon. So we've been doing watch parties every week for WandaVision. Watch a vision, the last of which may still be going by the time you hear this podcast, because we're doing a Watch a Vision all along marathon. So, all nine episodes, Saturday, March 6th, beginning at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And we're going to have watch parties that I'll be hosting every single week for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, just like we did for WandaVision. But in addition to exclusive community events that we offer on the Patreon, we also have exclusive podcasts that are not available anywhere else including Marvelous Moments. So I mentioned before, we're going to have watch parties every week for the Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's coming up very, very soon. And so to get ready on the latest episode of Marvelous Moments, which is a monthly exclusive podcast series, I discuss the on-your-left scene in which we first met Sam Wilson in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So that is available now, along with many, many more exclusive podcasts and community events over at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. That's patreon.com slash S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. Or you can just click the link in our show notes. And let's also make sure that you are following us all the places you can at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you are enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much to all of you who have already taken the time to do that. And now I'm done taking up all of your time. Let's get on with our show. Paul Herman, how are you? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm very well. I uh, started a uh, couple things this last couple days, and it's been uh, it's been interesting. It's been very, very interesting, to say the least. You can say so. what they are. You don't have to wait till the end of the show. <laughs> well, uh, for those who who don't know, um, I ha- I was on it or not on it. I have a podcast called The Comic Binge, and the last couple of months, basically the last year, I've been kind of contemplating about. A lot of different things. And uh, basically, long story short, um, I have kind of ele- I'm trying to elevate the podcast into, and now it's turned into a YouTube channel. So the podcast is still going to exist and it's now going to have uh, exclusive videos for YouTube only. And I just launched the YouTube channel yesterday. This is Saturday morning and I released it yesterday morning. The first video is, of course, MCU related. It is the required reading for the MCU's WandaVision. So I picked two stories that you all need to read after this show. So meaning if you love this show, I give you two graphic novels or comic books. You could go on to Marvel Unlimited and read them. I don't spoil anything, but I take some panels some pictures and I kind of talk about why they're important, I think, in my opinion. But but yeah. Follow it on YouTube at it's the comic binge and please like and subscribe just because I want to get into that sweet, sweet, sweet algorithm that YouTube has. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I'm super grateful. Um, you know, a lot of people have supported the channel already and I'm just super, super like, I'm humbled to be quite honest and I'm grateful for anything I can get. But as of right now, um, got one video I'll have, uh, we're going to do one podcast next week, a regular podcast. I got, um, other things in line. Other announcements that I'm not ready to talk about yet because we're working on stuff, 
But once that other things come out, more shows will come out probably from that and more announcements. So I'm excited. Follow the comic binge on YouTube, subscribe, all that, all that jazz, you Twitter, please. And uh, Sean, thanks for giving me the, uh, the, the platform to do that. Of course, of course. And you can also hit that link if you follow at Herman 22 with two N's, AKA P thug oh, over on the true. Twitters. That's right. So uh, just you. another helpful spot. So let's go ahead and let's talk about episode nine, which they titled the series finale, not the season <laughs> finale, the series mm-hmm. finale. I have thoughts on that, but we got to go all the way to a post credit scene for that. So I guess mm-hmm. I can't talk about that right now. Let's go to the opening <laughs> scene, which really just picks up exactly where we left off from episode eight. So we're over there on Sherwood Drive and Agatha has the kids And Wanda, of course, wants her children to be free. But I also like that they explain one of the questions that some people had last week. They get to it right away. If Agatha had Wanda in a position where she could not use her magic, why would Agatha, in the runes in the basement, why would she let Wanda out? Well, because as we saw... And this was what we figured, but as we saw last week in Agatha's introduction in Salem, we saw that her thing is absorbing magic, but in order to absorb it and take it away from other people, they need to start using it on her. So Wanda had to be able to use her magic in order for Agatha to get what she wants. And that is exactly what begins to happen here because Wanda uses her magic. She hurls a little bit uh, of that magic Agatha's way and knocks her down. Because uh, And Agatha is, again, this is exactly what she wants. As she says, I take power from the undeserving. It's kind of my thing. My favorite part about this is as Wanda is telling the kids to like go to their room and everything after she walks Agatha down is the way Agatha gets up. Like just the, <laughs> like no bending of the knees or anything, just like immediately like lifts back up. It just looks so cool. Um, and then Agatha's mm-hmm. taunting Wanda. Why don't you surrender your magic to someone who knows uh, what to do with it? And uh, Agatha makes the offer. Agatha will let Wanda keep Westview all to herself. And this is basically Agatha trying to bargain with Wanda via the most self-serving purpose or potential purpose of Wanda's power. Basically, if you just want this power to have your happy little life in Westview, I will let you keep that uh, because that's kind of how Agatha sees it, is that the use of power is for selfish reasons. Uh, And of course, as we'll find out later in the episode, Not that we figured it would be anything different, but Agatha is lying uh, about allowing Wanda to just keep Westview. But anyway, Wanda hits Agatha with a car and we get the whole Wizard of Oz bit with the boots underneath as if it was underneath the house. So So awesome. Yes, like even Steve Rogers understood that reference. It's just so awesome. This whole (laughs) sequence, like my favorite part, though, is the visual of Agatha getting up. And we'll talk about White Vision's arrival next. But uh, this whole introductory confrontation, defining kind of the stakes of the rest of the episode within this conflict, as well as Agatha trying to have this thing, offering this bargain for Wanda, basically trying to, it's a lie, but still at this point, she's trying to offer Wanda the easy way out. Yeah, this was a, a, a quite a reveal. Um, I don't think we, we can't get into the next, she doesn't mention that you know what here in, until a little bit, but uh, this is when I started, you know, this basically told me, okay, this Agatha is the, the antagonist. And I started going, okay, 
you know, which he, which he jerks the kids back. I first thing I thought of was like, Sean's going to bring this up. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I just knew like, it yeah. immediately, right? I was like, oh, Sean's going to bring that up. It's just, you um, know, hurting kids, even if they're not like going to live outside the hex until later, post credit scene. Um, yeah. yeah, it's generally considered uh, a bad thing to do. But I, I'm not. We'll, it's okay. I, we don't have to. We don't have to relitigate it. Yeah, but no, I, I think this is a um, was a great scene. Um, you know, it it still seemed it, it just doesn't seem very Agatha's powers and everything. Just the take on the character, it, it just it's very it's still puzzling to me. And I'll bring as we go, we'll kind of we'll kind of talk about that. But I do find it interesting that she absorbs power. Yeah, and I'm just thinking to myself that is. Hmm. But that, that just seems even before the reveal here, I was like, that's that's so interesting. That's again, we talk about and, and again, I don't mind being wrong about certain things or half right. wrong. It's like I really don't as long as they execute it. Well, well I wonder if your problem with this is similar to my problem with this. I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with Agatha, and it's not so much how the powers work. Mm -hmm. One of the things we've kept wondering about with Agatha, especially since the Agatha all along reveal in episode seven, and then everything she did with Wanda in episode eight. And then through all of this, uh, the her reason for being here and doing all of this, it's, it, it's still, no, it's clear, but it's just, as we understand it right now, it's one dimensional, which I get because, you know, okay, like it's not a, it's not a new thing. It's a familiar trope, which I guess would be another reason to potentially criticize it. It's not necessarily sure. a bad thing, but at the same time, we don't really, there are things, and we'll talk about as we get to it in other yeah. scenes, but there are things mm -hmm. that tease there's more to Agatha, but really this episode doesn't clearly define that, and it yes. just it just leaves it as, it's kind of my thing. Taking power is kind of my thing. Why? Because I just want to. And I feel like this is Catherine Hahn being as amazing as she is, as, char as charismatic as she is, kind of carrying some of the weight for a character that mm. is awesome and fun, but not quite as well developed and defined as I would have liked. And I think that's a fair, and that's exactly where I kind of, my criticism is because if you're going to change, which again, I don't want to go going too far, but this is where I've started thinking like, okay, what? Cause for me, it was, it's, it's not clear. She wants power. Well, yeah. at this point I'm like, why does she want so much power? Right. Like, what is it? Which yeah. again, we get to into what, yeah. Like to what end? Like we know what exactly. Thanos, like, Thanos wanted Infinity Stones. Why? Exactly. Because he thought he was saving the universe. Like, what does Agatha think she's going to accomplish with this? Right. And with Loki, going back to Loki, we talked about this before the show. Like, Loki has a whole thing about being bitter, about yeah. being abandoned, and, and, and not just bitterness, but he wants to be a king. He wants to be a rightful, powerful king yeah. and ruler. And that's what he feels he's entitled to. Well, again, that makes sense for his his reasons for doing things, whatever. But with Agatha, it's just, I want power, okay? It's, and But again... It start, I, I don't, throughout the show, I, I'm not a big fan of that idea, even though there is a little bit of explanation, I think, for that, but we'll get into that in a second. But yeah, I agree with, this is where it gets kind of, it got kind of wonky for me. It was cool to see them fight, but it was, it was also strange because you don't really know, like, you're, 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 they're telling us, Agatha, here's Agatha's power level. Okay, she absorbs magic. All right. It's just, it was just kind of just random and just kind of very just oh here oh, we almost forgot this oh here you go right that's what it felt like it i mean kind of going, oh. yeah i'm okay with the power absorption thing and then being able to of course use the power to inflict harm and, and do whatever i'm totally on board with that i just wish there was a stronger reason as to why like 
Loki's emotional motivation is clear. There are things that point to certain emotional motives for Agatha, and I'll talk about them as we get to them in the episode, but not enough that really puts a fine point on it, um, yeah. which you can certainly say is something that just makes it um, rich to explore this character later on down the line. And yes, that's true, but we've had an entire series featuring this yeah. character. Meanwhile, Loki's emotional motivation was established in just one movie. So yeah, I, hours, I think, yeah, yeah I, I think that there was room to do more with Agatha here. But as I said, this sounds like I, I'm down on Agatha and I'm I'm not very happy with this character. And that's not true. Like, I love Same. this character and she is a ton of fun. As I said, this is the magic of Catherine Hahn. So we're talking about witches and magic. Well, Catherine Hahn is as great of a magician as any in this show uh, because she is carrying so much and just making this character so enjoyable to watch without necessarily having um, all the backstory and all the character development that we might ex otherwise expect from an antagonist. So I'm still enjoying her immensely in this episode. And really, that's my main criticism of the episode. And I've gotten it out of the way so that I can spend the rest of my time talking about how awesome this show is. So uh, White Vision shows up next. We see a reflection in the window uh, approaching Wanda as Wanda's looking at the empty boots uh, from the Wizard of Oz reference. And Wanda is saying, is it really you? I mean, I think she knows it's not really him, at least not in the sense that she means it. And White Vision just puts his hand on her head like he's going to like caress her cheeks or something. But no, he starts crushing her head uh, and says, I was and I and he's taunting her, too. And I was told you were powerful and then Wanda's vision makes the save. We get an RV explosion. Don't know what was going on in that RV that it exploded so much. But anyway, um, I like that. Uh, and for the purposes of this podcast, to remain clear of who's who, I could go with what how they refer to him in the show, vision or the vision, but I don't want to forget to say the. So white vision and, and vision. So <laughs> I'm meaning Wanda's vision when I just say vision. Um, what about vanilla vision? Sure, I'll take that. Uh, white or vanilla vision. Um, but I like that. Yeah, I like that vision again. His first question, like it was when he had the conversation with Darcy, that he just wants to know, like, where are the boys? Are the kids safe? I love that that is his first priority, as it should be. Um, and Wanda says that she should have told Vision everything the moment that she realized what she had done. And this is Wanda admitting to some extent, although she still has some room to go here in uh, this episode, admitting to her wrongdoing, because even though we saw that she did not create Westview on purpose, she still maintained it after she knew. And that is where Wanda made a choice that was ultimately uh, the wrong choice. Wanda mm. says she can fix it. And I love Vision's line when he says, can you? Because he's not talking about her physical ability to do it. He knows that if she can make the hex, she can take the hex down. The can you part is, Wanda, are you capable of giving up everything you're going to have to? Because Vision knows what it means if the hex goes away, that he's probably going away too. So it's can Wanda really let go? Um, because if he knows that's what she has to do, like, and she knows that that's what she has to do, can she finally make that decision because she hasn't been able to bring herself to do it this whole time, even after she's known what she was doing. So I really like that bit of it of this kind of, I mean, it's not unspoken because he is saying that line, but what he, how much meaning there is behind him just asking, can you, uh, I really like that moment between the two of them. 
this was a God. Vanilla Vision's rad. Oh man, when he reemerges from the flaming RV wreckage like Terminator style, that was so awesome. Vanilla, I I love him. I freaking love him. Uh, This was a great scene. Uh, Again, this is all the stuff that I, as a a longtime fan, just geek out at. And I love the fact that it very much is that robotic, just empty, soulless vision, which we all knew was going to happen. That's kind of like the. It's also the reason why he's, you know, the thematic reason why he's pale. He's just plain, mm-hmm. just, you know, whatever. And I like that kind of stuff. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, this was a great scene. Um, and I, I love the fact that uh, Bettany is able to kind of portray a different version of the character. Yeah. And he and again, it's it, it felt and it was perfectly done. The, the soulless and the emptiness of this character. And I think it just shows you that personality really is like i think what defines you know a a, a being of, of any kind right and i think that just shows you right here the what gives vision you know his his his, his um on uh with omnipresence or whatever you want to call it uh, the uh being alive or whatever being an right. actual being a living thing right so here is the same thing everything but he has no soul and a soul is is what defines us as being you know whatever the a living person and you see that visibly visibly with this with this vanilla vision and i love it i think it's it was a great scene it was great just, he looked phenomenal i mean it again it's it's a great adaptation from straight from the the panels to this this tv show so it was a great like rendition in a, in a great kind of you know counterpart to what vision looks like now in the in the mcu so i thought he looked great it was a great scene it was awesome, and there's a lot of great visuals for Vision versus Vision as we go on in the episode. Yeah. Um, but I, I really like, of course, you have Agatha doing her thing and, and taunting Wanda. Again, this is awkward. Your ex and your boyfriend together at the same party. Who are you going to choose, Wanda? Well, I mean, like, not the one who just tried to kill her, maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, then we finally get that moment that we've seen in trailers and TV spots. Uh, Wanda saying, Vision, this is our home. And then he responds, then let's fight for it. So the vision versus vision fight resumes. And then we see Agatha leading uh, leading Wanda away from the neighborhood and toward the town square. And then we cut to Snooper's gonna snoop or our next update following Snooper's gonna snoop. It's Monica and Fietro in his man cave. And he's using his super speed to hold her there. We will talk more about this the next time we cut back to the man cave and more is revealed. So we go to Vision trying to reason with the Vision or White Vision. Vision wants to resolve this peacefully. And White Vision is saying, well, Wanda Maximoff must be neutralized. Uh, neutralized. You must be destroyed. And Vision's just so a no then. Uh, that was great. Um, uh, and what I really loved here visually though, was this is what a vision versus vision fight should look like. It's not just them having super strength. It's not just them being able to fly. I love that they were using the chain visions ability. Each of their abilities to change their density against each other was so cool to watch in, uh, in flight in this battle. And then when they crash land and you get the crater and then like as Vision tries to fly away, like White Vision catches his leg. Did such a great job staging this whole battle and and making it look as cool and fun as it should be as part of a big MCU finale. Yeah, the the White Vision fight was was great on so many different levels. And it was honestly even more like complex 
as I wave in, in which I, I wasn't expecting one, but I loved it. I love the fact that it's, this was something that we we got a little bit of the fight, like what brings what makes Vision such a powerful character. But we later on will get the whole like them conversing together and, mm-hmm. and going over like again, just like a, a, these visions would if two visions existed, this is what they would do. Like yeah. there'd be a brawl, but then they go, wait a minute. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about this. I love that. It was it was a great, definitely like a very a, a great character moment. And again, that we wouldn't necessarily appreciate, I think, unless we got this series. Um, and we saw Vision throughout these episodes. We we get that a little bit in like Civil War mm-hmm. and some of the other uh, movies, but really we get it a lot more, in, obviously, in this series. But I, again it pays off and it and this scene is a great payoff to not again the films and to what they built up in the series finale or season finale whatever you want to call it and i love the fact that it is a culmination of th- these ideas and it's earned like mm-hmm. one thing that i've always liked what you bring up sean is that things are earned and i, and I think that is one thing the mcu is, is just ha- nails time and time again everything for the most part feels earned. And that's so hard when you're building towards anything, even, you know, the regular movie, you know, besides a 22 film, you know, it's all connected universe. You're, you're bringing together the fact they're able to have these, these, these moments and they're, and they're all earned. They're not just kind of flippant. It's great. And I think these, that's what we love the MCU for. And I think these scenes are like that. They get, they give us what we need from like, I think a, uh, the action level when they give us these a lot more interesting in perspective and, and again, character right. building moments and you, you love that and you, and you just accept it. And again, it's earned. It's not just, it's not just there for the sake of being there. It's all, it all makes sense. And that's the beauty of the MCU. It really is. And I think that part of that beauty is just, you get these action sequences, but you also get the conversations that we're going to have about the ship of Theseus a little bit later on. But we cut to back outside the Hex for the first time in this episode, and we're at S.W.O.R.D.'s latest base camp, and Jimmy Woo has been captured. I'm guessing he just went there to arrest Hayward because of the Project Cataract reveal and then just got handcuffed himself. All right. Uh, Didn't work out as well as it could have for Jimmy, although things worked out okay in the end. Um, So there is a key detail here, because if anybody's wondering why... Vision was able to get through to White Vision and he just wasn't in full on sword controlled mode. That is actually defined here because Hayward is trying to have his team reconfirm White Vision's mission objective. And they note that his system is overloaded and so they can't actually get anything through. So they're unable to really reach him. And Hayward wants to know if uh, the Vision or White Vision is still under their control. And Agent Rodriguez is saying, as far as I can tell, he's still ours, but no, he really isn't. Um, and this is why the conversation is able to happen later on in the episode. But we get this interaction between Jimmy and Jimmy Woo and, and Hayward, and Woo does the classic, you'll never get away with this, and Hayward explains exactly why he thinks he's going to get away with it. No one will ever know that there were two visions and all of that. Um, and Hayward is saying, you know, the classic thing, you could be part of it, and then he makes a pun, if only you had a little more vision, the kind of pun that Jimmy Woo might normally enjoy, uh, except Hayward sucks. Uh, so Jimmy is able to steal a phone. He also uses, when he's left alone, uses a paperclip to free himself of his handcuffs. And of course, he throws in 
flourish because we know that Jimmy Woo is working on his close-up magic, but also he's a fan of WandaVision. Uh, as Vision was saying, flourish during the uh, during the talent show back in episode two. And I love how he makes the call to the FBI, Cliff over at the FBI, and because he had told Hayward before that like he was going to have everybody there within the hour or within an hour, and Hayward says you're bluffing. So because Jimmy doesn't want to turn out to be bluffing, like he actually puts in their quest, can you make it inside the hour? Uh, I thought that was a really great, uh, really great little bit. Um, but then the big stuff starts happening when we get to the real town square scare. So we had the Halloween fun one, as fun as things could be in Westview, back in episode six. But now Agatha is explaining the Scarlet Witch. And now we're going to talk about that book you were mentioning, Paul. So mm -hmm. uh, Agatha points out uh, that Wanda's never been up uh, up against another witch before, which is true. Uh, and then Agatha says that, did you know there's an entire chapter devoted to you in the Darkhold? So us and of course we and, and many, many others were speculating when we saw that book kind of looks like it would be the Darkhold. Maybe, we, maybe it would be something else, but no, it is indeed the Darkhold. And as Agatha points out, it that's the Book of the Damned, and she brings it out of thin air, so it's back uh, emerged from the basement. Uh, the Scarlet Witch is not born; she is forged. She has no coven and no need for incantation. Uh, Wanda notes that she's not a witch; she doesn't cast spells. No one taught her magic. All of that's true. And then mm -hmm. Agatha continues: "Your power exceeds that of the Sorcerer Supreme. So she's more powerful than the Ancient One. She's more power than the Ancient One was." Uh, more powerful than Doctor Strange, because remember, at this point in the MCU, officially, Stephen Strange has not yet received the title of Sorcerer Supreme. He's still That's considered true, yeah. a master of the mystic arts. No one has called him Sorcerer Supreme yet. Mm -mm. And then Agatha says, it's your destiny to destroy the world. Um, and this, of course, is the, the danger of Wanda, right? Is that her power will overwhelm her and overwhelm everyone mm -hmm. else, and she will end everything, as she might be doing right here and right now. But my favorite part of this is when she said, when Agatha says the Scarlet Witch is not born, she is forged. Wanda, Wanda Maximoff was born. She had a mom, a mom who presumably gave birth to her, but it's the Scarlet Witch who was forged. And when we think of things being forged, a lot of times you think about metal. You think about forged mm -hmm. by fire. It's heated and it's hammered uh, so, so that it becomes hardened and stronger than it was before, like when you're making swords and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so for Wanda, the fire was her trauma. It was her grief. The Scarlet Witch is Wanda, made stronger and more powerful by all that she's been through. And what hasn't killed Wanda has ultimately served to make the Scarlet Witch stronger. Um, I just, I love all of that. And uh, everything that it's saying there and how that feeds into Wanda and her journey and then we're just getting into all kinds of crazy, weird, occult stuff uh, that is a big side of the Marvel Universe as it relates to the Darkhold. And yes, the Scarlet Witch does play into a lot of that. Whew. It's a lot to it's a lot to dive into. This is what my six, 16 loving heart loves about the MCU. This Now, this is where I would start to say that the, the trajectory of Agatha and her being the same character from the comic books, I, I'm still like, okay, I'm acknowledging the fact that that's not what they're, they're going with it, which we'll get to more later. But this is also an establishing the shot or establishing that the dark hold is, it, there's something there. 
that's mm-hmm. controlling Agatha. Like, or not, I, maybe not controlling, but I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, this is where, but this is where we don't know still. And this is where I, I almost would say it'd be a criticism of the show because they, at the very end, see, it's without going to the end, but the, at least it plants a seed of, of having that to whatever you, cause you talk about the redemption of new Loki, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that this is, I'm not saying she's again. I'm not saying she's redeemed or or isn't redeemable, or because there's nothing to redeem, not by any means. What I'm wondering is how far that corruption goes in through the Darkhold and and what that means. And right, because Darkhold is and it's. I mean, again, I'm going back. I'm going going back to the comic books. It's a it corrupts people. Like there's that whole like Kython thing that you know whatever. And it's it's interesting that. I think of a I think like the Darkhold would want power, right? That's kind of like what it wants. And that's where I would say I start when what once it became that reveal, the Darkhold, I went, okay. Like my buddy and I were both talking about it. Like, okay, that makes sense. It kind of gives an idea for what Agatha is. Because Agatha, you can go back and redeem her, Sean, and say, you know, yeah, she had control and she shouldn't have been reading the dark hole, but the dark hole right. eventually has this, you know, whatever. I mean, and again, Again, Agatha could have been corrupt. Not saying. I mean, Agatha yeah, was, it's seduced you know, by the power of the dark side, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it, again, I'm not saying doesn't give her a re- the the right to do what she wants. Right. And, and 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 again, I think that's also a theme of 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 the series. And I think Agatha and Wanda are very similar that way. And I think that also is something that I thought was interesting, as far as we don't know what Agatha went through, but the fact that I think we're well, we'll get in that in a second, but. At least with this whole part, the whole occult thing that you brought up and all the stuff she was saying, I'm like, oh, man, like they are going like hard on this. And I will say I like I, even though it's not exactly what the comics are, have done, I do like this what they're doing with Agatha. I like the fact that Agatha like went in the dark hole. I'm like, OK, again, I always talked about I the genius of Feige and the MCU in general is that they combine multiple aspects. Right now they're taking this Agatha character, which we'll get more into later. But they're also combining these other elements and making right. it. Yeah, she's an antagonist, and sure, like I, I, it's not the traditional sense, but it's getting there. And this is like the start of it. But bringing it, these the Darkhold and Agatha, having her be kind of an antagonist before, is a great idea. It, and it's it's honestly, I'm, I'm I was wrong, and I have no problem. I have no problem being wrong as long as it's pulled off. And I will say, even though I don't love the 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 reveal of what she wants from Wanda necessarily and it's still kind of thin the dark hole did at when they revealed that moment it made me lessen a little bit of my like this is not good well or, and it opens up so many things yes i mean yes, when we're exactly. talking about stuff that we know is kind of coming up in the MCU like i mean the occult horror side of the MCU, like Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness for a scary movie in the MCU as uh, Kevin Feige. Well, actually, no, Scott Derrickson initially said that. Of course, he's not directing it anymore, but I still expect that scary stuff to be a part of it. It's still Sam Raimi directing Sam Raimi. it. Yeah, so exactly. we have that. You have Blade. But of course, you know, we can start getting into a lot more of that when we talk about the post credit scene. But it's great to have this thing be a part of it. I know it was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it looks different because it is different because mm-hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the MCU proper are just not the same thing until we find out that they are. I mean, it's part of the same multiverse, two different timelines within the same multiverse and with some overlap, sure, uh, but that's kind of it. Um, but anyway, I, I love that Wanda, when she says that part about she's not what Agatha says she is, 
this is something that Wanda will be battling against, I think, is just always this yeah. is the this is the prophecy. This is the myth. This is what you're supposed to turn into. But really, what else is new for Wanda? She's always oh, battling yeah. against what people are afraid of about her. And she's certainly given the world a brand new list of reasons to fear her just based on what happened yeah. in Westview. But we'll get there. Or actually, we're there now. Uh, well, because uh, Really quick, oh. I just want to add something about Wanda because there's a couple key things here. And I just want to add that you you brought up something that I didn't even think about how the Scarlet Witch is forged and how the trauma is that part of that forging and I didn't even think about that and I thought that was a really that's a really great take and maybe it's obvious and I missed it that's also possible but for me uh, from again from the comic book standpoint when she said the Scarlet Witch is not born yeah. she's forged I do like the idea that there's not to me I still think that they they don't close a door on, on her being a mutant and and things like that because I because I took that as the forge from the the mind stone mm. and um which again I love that we interpreted things differently because I think there I think there's merit to everything right and yeah. I think that's a great idea I, I love the idea that that's part of the prophecy I love the fact that she's a that there that prophesies her coming and I think that also the fact that when Wanda says I didn't I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I'm I not wasn't witch. taught magic. Yeah, exactly. Those are callbacks to yeah. uh, a comic book that I even brought from my video and I want, I'm not trying to self promote here, but, but seriously, I, I immediately, immediately thought from the, even the last, uh, episode I brought this up, you know, Dr. Strange brings up in the comic books at one point that the problem with, with Wanda is that she wasn't born. She was born with these powers. These were not, you know, she did not earn these with spells. And so I feel that the last couple ep couple episodes, they're, they're kind of teasing this a little bit. Like mm -hmm. they're not, and maybe I'm reading too much into it and this is the fun of the show, but no, I, I don't do think you, I, I don't think you are because I think that Agatha talks about that a little bit later on when she says your, you know, your problem isn't yeah. power, it's knowledge. And because knowledge is something you have to mm -hmm. earn power. You can just be gifted in exactly i mean mm -hmm. in the real in world and in, in, yeah. the, in the power that real human beings have uh can just be a gift um and at the same time uh but knowledge you tend to earn you don't just automatically yeah. have it and so i think that's both. yeah well that well, well wanda yeah, is trying power. to get power, yeah. yeah wanda has the power part and she's trying to get the knowledge as, as we'll see later on in the show um but i i love that agatha has wanda's own victims confronting her yeah. And it begins with oh. Dottie. So Dottie is finally the key to something. So she was <laughs> uh, billed as the key to everything, which in hindsight goes to, I mean, there were two sides of that coin that we talked about. One side was, yeah, she's part of a witch coven and her blessing really was required for the children and all that stuff. But the other side of that that we talked about was that Agnes could have just been pointing Wanda in the direction of Dottie so that Wanda wasn't looking more closely at Agnes, which, of course, had value in what Agnes was trying to do. So Dottie, it turns out she does have a real name. It is Sarah, and she is Sarah Proctor, because remember that Wanda, kept, and they confirmed this in the credits, but remember that Wanda kept the couples together, uh, as Fietro noted back in episode six, so Harold Proctor is Jones, his wife, Sarah Proctor, that's Dottie, uh, which was, of course, Jones' wife uh, in the fictional version of Westview. And Sarah Proctor, that name is actually a reference to the Proctor family, 
uh, which was a family that was persecuted during the Salem witch trials. So we do get a little bit of witchy stuff here with uh, Dottie, just more of an Easter egg than as far as who she actually is. But as I said, Dottie or Sarah is the key to something because she does, she gets to really kind of be the first person to speak out honestly with Wanda about what she's doing. And she's just pleading with Wanda because all Sarah wants is to be able to hold her daughter. And she's begging, even saying like, she can have her daughter play whatever part Wanda wants her to play, just as long mm. as Sarah can hold her daughter, which is heartbreaking. And Wanda's initial reaction to this is to blame Agatha. And this is still, even though I talked about Wanda starting to acknowledge things she's things that she's done in this episode, when I mentioned that she still had a little ways to go, this is part of that because she's not immediately just accepting, oh yeah, this is the real Sarah. I've really harmed this person and that's why she's saying these things to me. She thinks it's another possession, another trick from Agatha. But then Agatha, Agatha's a liar, but she's not lying this time. She's your meat puppet. I just cut her strings. And this is that last big dose of truth, I think, that Wanda really has to accept as it relates to the harm that she's doing. She's been able to yeah. convince herself and be in denial about this idea that, that she was actively harming people in Westview. And it may not be what she intended to do, but it is what she's done. Um, and so it's time for her to really understand not just what she did, but how it's really impacted everyone else. This was a really really powerful scene uh, uh when you get her pleading with wanda and then the whole town joining in it's 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 powerful yeah. man it was it was really well crafted um one of the things about this episode it just kind of had a lot of things to wrap up and it's a little bit rushed at times it's i'll i will admit even though i still i love the series i think this mm -hmm. episode was a little bit messier than the rest of the series and i think but i kind of I didn't expect it, but I didn't, I was a little surprised, but I think going back and looking at everything, the way they constructed the whole series, it just, it, it, was, it would have been hard to stick the landing, like a complete clean landing. So you have a lot to wrap up at this point without, you know, going longer and longer and longer. And if I, if I had to do it again, I would say, no, just give me the same thing if you had to, you know, cause I, I love what we got and everything. And but that being said, I say all that to say that this is some of the strong stuff that I really, I really liked about this episode a lot that I thought was, again, you talk about being it earned and having an emotional impact. And, and I think just giving us an idea of, of the, the problems with having powers. The one of the things about the series that I love so much is that in the comic books, I've always done a great job because they go on forever is that they, they establish why when these heroes have superpowers they're not just always they're not always good or inherently like do-gooders like a superman or a captain america that they have issues there's problems mm -hmm. you know and, and they alter things and wanda's a great example of that idea of that if people had superpowers you know what would they do with them they wouldn't always be you know boy scouts or you know yeah. whatever well and the it. impact of their mistakes is so much larger Exa I mean, exactly regular I human being that, screws up I mean, they could screw up in really big ways and make profound impacts, of course, but yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously yeah. it's on a completely different scale. Um, and it, ha it happens so quickly, as we saw with Wanda. Like, she didn't even mean to when she took an entire town hostage. Well, and that's the thing is weird, is right, is that it, it, it see, and that she didn't mean to. But then she kept doing it. Exactly. And that's that's yeah, where yeah. she's culpable. That's where she's culpable is not yeah. not creating it, but maintaining it. 
and that's where and that thing last week when we, when we were kind of arguing about it it was and that's kind of where i was like i'm like well it's hard because it's she it was revealed and then she didn't want to know it's almost like she was like no i'm the, i'm in denial about it and, right and that was it again it, it's it, it, the complexity of this series that stuff like that brings up yeah. is what makes it so good and i think that what we're getting here in this episode, the, the stuff that I love the most, besides the super geeky out stuff that I love about, you know, the, the callbacks to the comic books mm-hmm. or whatever, is is this stuff. And the stuff that I that we're going to see from an emotional standpoint of, of why I love superheroes in general, right? And yeah. I think that right now we're getting the side of what I love about these heroes is that they're 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 fallible. They're, you know, they make mistakes. They're fallible. They they don't they they have they're not just perfect. And we're seeing Wanda being literally confronted by the people she took over. And cause it is, it's, it's messed up. It, it, it honestly, it's pretty heavy cause it's messed up what Wanda did mm-hmm. and, and kept doing. And we're seeing that the, the repercussions of that from a, a level that she maybe wasn't expecting. And I love the fact that Agatha is the one that says, Hey, let them, I'm going to yeah. show you what's going up. Here's your adoring yeah. public. And yeah, like, I love that. Yeah. I love this that. one. Yeah. This one's not me. This one's you. Exactly. Like, this is yep. not me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm playing a lot of tricks here, but this one, no. Um, I'm just letting them speak their truth to you and, and the truth of what you've done. And it also clarifies uh, or adds a, a little bit of a different context to something else from episode two, because I talked about the whole key to everything uh, part of it. But if we also go back to For the Children, which we talked about as almost this very witchy, ritualistic thing, now what it is is it's actually the people of Westview pleading for their children, begging Wanda for their children back, uh, just to add to kind of how messed up uh, things were there in uh, in Westview. Um, but yes, it was great. To, and we will see more of this. Uh, we'll talk more about it. There's another scene uh, where Wanda is confronted, or this continues. Um, but we have a cut first back to the man cave with Fietro, who wants to know if Monica's a fan of Steven Seagal? Because, you know, why not? Um, and then Monica is looking at Bills, and she sees the name Ralph, and I'll save the last name for a second. Uh, and then she sees a headshot, so this guy is an actor. And your name is Ralph Boner, and Fietro or Ralph gets a kick out of his own name. Uh, and I love when he's saying, like, you want to tussle? Uh, and Monica takes him down, wonders, uses her powers to figure out exactly how Agatha is or how Ralph is being controlled, spots the necklace, takes it off. And Ralph Boner is back to just being Ralph Boner. Yes, it's a very, very funny name, uh, but it is also an homage because there is a character named Richard Boner Stabone in Growing Pains, which is was a show in which director Matt Shackman also appeared as a young, a very young actor. Um, so it's a little bit of a nod to Matt Shackman's own past and his own career. Um, but yeah, also this funny name that does answer the question who this guy is. He is not Pietro from the Fox X-Men universe. He is just Ralph Boner played by Evan Peters. And of course, it's not a it's played as a coincidence that this guy looks like Pietro from the Fox X-Men universe. Obviously, Marvel made an intentional choice with this red herring, but we always knew it had the potential to just be a red herring. Right. And that's something that I, I, I'm not surprised about. And we've talked a lot about that. And I love when it happened, we said you and I both said like it, yeah. it could be all this big stuff, but it could also just be really, really small. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that's the thing. I, I'm not surprised. And, 
it was fun. I, to be honest, it was a red herring, and I think they they played it off perfectly. Yeah. Um, and again, I loved it. I I, I love the fact that they kind of. They they open the door, but not really mm-hmm. to like the idea that this is could happen and what what could happen. And again, it was it was cool. I love the fact they played with that, and it it was perfect. And yeah, it's not the real Pietro, but I mean, it, but here's the thing. I'm just I'll just say this to save it kind of towards the, you know for the end as well a little bit because it all kind of ties into the end. I think uh, it opens the door because now you know, right now Wanda in her mind is like, that's not my brother. Mm-hmm. And what if she were to come up with that, per- that same person that looks just like her, this person that was her fake brother that and is actually technically her brother in a different reality. Like you, you open that door. You don't know. I mean, I doubt it's going to happen, but yeah. you don't know. You just don't know. So it was, it was, I, I do. I wish it was some kind of alternate reality. Yeah, in my in my heart, I would. But it's also just it's a hard sell for an audience, you know. At this point, and again, considering how much they had to wrap up in this episode, yeah, I just yeah, it wasn't gonna happen. I mean, I think the audience could have rolled with it, but I, agreed. I outside agree. Outside of that. outside of Deadpool and his pals, I'm not really into the idea of just bringing over mutants from the Fox X-Men universe. Deadpool is kind of the exception, not the rule for me. And that's because the rules don't apply to Deadpool. He makes them up. So totally different Mm -hmm. for the main means through the primary means through which mutants come into the MCU. I didn't want it to just be let's port everyone over from the Fox X-Men timeline. That was never really the most exciting version of it to me, uh, which is why I wasn't, I never really felt the need to get my hopes up that this was going to be Pietro from the Fox X-Men universe. If it was, then I could have been excited about just the potential of mutants showing up very soon. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know if that's really the way I would, I can roll with it because it's the MCU and they've earned my trust at this point uh, until they let me down unless or until they let me down. So I was willing to kind of roll with it, but it wasn't going to be, it certainly wasn't what I was hoping for. And I know that this is one of those things that I know some people are a little, upset about or disappointed about. And it's fine to be disappointed by this if you're hoping for something. And and look, Marvel knew what you would think. If you, Mm -hmm. they knew what we would all think. Um, When I say we all, I'm 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 referencing those who are very much aware of not just the MCU, but other films and other Marvel movies and the, the legacy of Marvel movies and all that stuff. They knew what a lot of people would think. And they they knew that when they made that choice, I think it's part of the reason they made that choice in the first place. Yes, Evan Peters is great as Ralph Boner, but at the same time, there are a lot of guys who could have played that role. Uh, But there's only Mm -hmm. one guy who could have played that role who was also Pietro in another universe. So it was intentionally there as a red herring. It's not its only value, but it was definitely part of the equation. I don't think there's any way that Kevin Feige or Matt Shackman or Jack Schaefer or anybody involved with this series could really try and deny that with a straight face. It is part of it, but it's okay for red herrings to be there. It's okay for there to be misdirection in a series. And it doesn't mean they cheated us as fans. If that's not necessarily uh, what ultimately paid off, because we knew that this was a series where they were dropping clues left and right of different things. And it was all part of a misdirect to, allow us to be thinking about all these different things and reading so much into and analyzing and overanalyzing every little detail of this series from Pietro to aerospace engineers 
to Bova Milk Signs in or Grim Reaper's Helmet in the cartoonish opening theme of episode two to a picture, uh, an out-of-focus picture of Wonder Man concept art over Jack Schaefer's shoulder in a featurette. They had all this stuff baked in there because they knew we'd be looking for clues and giving us all of these extra clues ultimately helped keep us away from just automatically settling on the obvious conclusion, which was it's been Agatha all along or it, and it's all Wanda and all the different things that have been revealed over the course of this series. So uh, and I think it's OK for them to have done that because I think the story that they told still has more than just uh, I mean, it has sufficient truth in it more than that. I mean, what they've told is a story about I mean, they made a story called WandaVision and they told a story about Wanda and Vision. They were true to that, um, even if there were some things that were misdirection. And, and I absolutely love it and enjoyed and had fun with this reveal. And there were just bigger things going on in this episode uh, that were so that were just so satisfying that I ultimately think that revealing that he was a mutant from another timeline takes away from that. I think it just one of the fears about Reed Richards as the aerospace engineer, Pietro as being a mutant from the Fox X-Men timeline, is that this just overshadows what this series is actually about. And this finale does not do that. It keeps its focus right where it should be. Um, so I loved it. And then uh, while we're still in the neighborhood, uh, we see or we cut to the vision versus vision fight and the boys are watching, but then they can't really they fly out of view. And then uh, so because they can't see anymore, Billy starts using the vision that he has uh, and he sees what's happening to their mom and says, we've got to go. And then we cut back to Wanda still being confronted in the town square and we hear more of her victims speaking. John Collins can't even remember why he tr ever tried to resist Wanda in the first place. Uh, John Collins being Herb. Uh, Bev, or real name Isabel, has a husband who's on a business trip and says, tell him I love him and not to come back here ever. Um, presumably her husband doesn't even remember Westview and thinks he's from Eastview based on what we saw way back at the beginning of the show or in earlier episodes. Um, mailman Dennis is uh, exhausted. So uh, or now he's delivery man Dennis. Uh, Wanda tries to tell all of them that they're fine. And then she switches from you're all fine to you're all going to be fine. And mm. I think that's Wanda initially trying to one last time tell herself that they're fine, that she hasn't been hurting them. And then she's saying, you know, you're going to be fine because now she knows she has to change something. Um, but she has been hurting them. Maybe she didn't mean to, but she did. As as Norm or Abilash Tandon says, when they have nightmares, uh, when they sleep, they have Wanda's nightmares, not their own nightmares, not their own dreams. They have Wanda's nightmares. And Wanda tries to convince herself again that they've she's made them feel at peace, but really they felt her pain. And so maybe Wanda didn't know the full extent of how much she was harming them, although Vision tried to tell her in episode five and she just tried to walk away and roll the credits. Um, Mrs. Hart or Deborah Jo Rupp or Sharon Davis, her real name in the MCU, um, saying your grief is poisoning us. They plead with Wanda to let them go. And she is overwhelmed by this truth of the harm that she's been doing. And it ultimately results in her temporarily, but still uh, doing more harm. She tries to make them stop and she ends up using magic and she's ultimately starts choking these people. Uh, but she as soon as she realizes that she's physically hurting them, she stops it. But then Sharon Davis says, if you won't let us go, just let us die. Wanda says she'll let them go, and Agatha wonders what's stopping her because heroes don't torture people. Not everything. There's there's truth in a lot of things Agatha says, uh, just clearly not all of it. But that part's true. Heroes shouldn't be torturing people anyway. 
Um, and uh, that's something that Wanda has to just completely stop doing. And Wanda starts taking down the hex. She's not going to finish it here, but she starts to because, yes, she finally has to admit that what she's been doing has been causing significant emotional harm and maybe even some physical harm uh, to all of these people in Westview. I mean, just a, a great reckoning for yeah, Wanda yeah. to be confronted over and over again by the faces of those she's hurt. Yeah, this was a man. This was a tough, tough scene. And when she says, you know, just kill, like, just kill us, whatever. I'm like, Oof. I'm it honestly made me think. I can't believe Disney Plus is putting this out. Like, this is deep, man. Yeah, like, this is it's, dark. it's dark. Yeah, it's dark, and I love it. I love the fact, and I just want to say too that just because it's dark doesn't mean a family can't watch it and then talk about it later. I think these are these are great things to talk mm. about. To be honest, I mean, to, and when kids are, it kind of, what is it? What, huh? Like, you, these, these are opportunities, in my opinion, anyway, to talk. And like, and it's again, it's enough to where it's not dark where it's like extremely dark, but it's dark enough to where you can talk about like what's going on. What, what, what are the ramifications? Why would she say that? Like, mm -hmm. again, these are good. These are good teaching moments of, of like understanding yeah. about people and things like that. And I love the fact that it goes that dark. And I love the fact that we get to see Wanda just, it's, she may be this most powerful character in the MCU, but she's getting killed here. Like she's getting, she's getting yeah. beat up and she's, and she deserves it to be honest. So, I mean, no, like it's, this is, this is part of the accountability. Like she needs yeah, to hear this exactly. and she needs mm -hmm. to know like what she did. And if, if it bothers her good, it should, it should really bother her. It should hurt her to realize how much she has hurt other people. And, and I love that the show took the time to have that scene. Cause we'll talk about it later. Does she get away kind of easy for all this stuff? Yes and no. Um, but at least there was this part of it where she had to endure hearing the truth of her victims and they are her victims, whether she intended for them to be or not. Uh, this is what she's done to these people and she has to sit there and hear it. Um, but as she starts taking down the hex, this gives sword an opening. They start to move in and then the visuals here are so cool as the hex starts opening up because we cut back to the vision versus vision fight. And I love the backdrop of like the red hex, but then the blue sky that's uh, coming out in between these areas where the hex is starting to come apart. It just looks so cool. Um, but then we see the cost of this, right? Here's what's at stake mm -hmm. for Wanda. If she wants to finally allow, uh, make good on this whole thing of you're all going to be fine and free the people of Westview, this is what it will cost. Vision and the boys start coming apart. And Agatha explains what's happening here. You tied your family to this twisted world, and now one can't exist without the other. Save Westview or save your family. We see the boys crying out for help. Vision is crying out to the boys. And Wanda closes the hex back up. She's not taking it down anymore. Um, and that leaves Wu and the rest of his uh, buddies from the FBI who've just arrived. They are stuck on the outside sword, uh, or at least some of uh, Hayward and his crew. They were able to make it in. And then Agatha attacks and Wanda protects. Uh, Wanda uses magic to protect herself and the family. But then Agatha is able to absorb that magic, which leads to a really cool moment that we'll talk about in a second. But this is what's at stake for Wanda. And I've talked about this before, that even after defeating Agatha and even after all the other stuff and, and getting Hayward out of the way and white vision out of the way and all of this stuff that 
What this was always going to have to boil down to was a choice. Wanda didn't necessarily choose to create the hex, but she did choose to keep it going, and she needed to choose to let go of it. And that would mean uh, whatever it would cost her. And if that was going to be Vision, as we've had this question of can he survive in or can he survive outside the hex, White Vision provides a different solution to that, as we'll get into. But this version of Vision that she made, not really. The kids. As far as she knows, in this moment, they're not going to survive. Post-credit scene suggests potentially otherwise. But as far as Wanda knows, it's going to it's going to cost her her family, but it's also costing her something that she was never really supposed to have, not meaning she didn't deserve it, but because of the way that she created this was at the expense of other people and at the expense of their families and, and ultimately causing them pain. Uh, so Wanda was going to make this choice, but as we see here, She's not quite ready yet uh, to let go of this. And so that is still part of her. That choice is not being made by Wanda just yet. She started to, but then as soon as it, she was confronted with what was really at stake and the full extent of that choice, uh, she keeps the hex going for just a little while longer. But there's also value in, in keeping the hex going for a little while longer because she's not really torturing the people of Westview at this point. They are not no. playing their sitcom roles. Uh, so it's not really that part of it anymore. Um, and vision and the kids are needed because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of bad people here. There's a lot of things that have to be dealt with, and Wanda's going to need their help. Yeah, there's, and this is um this is something I totally knew. It, I saw it coming. I don't think it was I'm on, I'm like you know groundbreaking by anything or anything like that. Anything like that. But I do feel that it was it was evident that these that these kids were the hex was keeping them alive. I mean, obviously with vision and pulling him back, I'm like, I like, yeah, this is, they're built, they're building up the fact that she has to let go at mm. the end. And that's, and, and, and that's obvious. And again, going back to the comic books, as I like to all the time, it's, it's very much of what she kind of had to do there as well. And I, and, and, and like I said last week, that even though that's the case, doesn't mean these, these, characters aren't coming back in some way or another. Right. And I, and I knew that as well. And I think that this is what I, and again, we'll get to the end is that again, like we said last week, it took a while to, you know, to really go crazy at the end there. Yeah. The end's really going to, we're going to have a lot to talk about there, but this is where I knew. And, and again, I, I think it's fair. I think it is a great, it, I knew what they were setting up and it was, it was a great story moment. The fact that, you know, these pe these kids that she has loved now, uh, mm-hmm. she has to let go this family yeah. she created with her. She has to let it go. And cause it's not, it's not right, you know, or because what she's doing to everybody else. And so right. what does that mean? Um, yeah, it, there's, there's a lot. So, and I, I, I knew once they did that, I went, okay, all right. I, I know where they're going with this. Okay, cool. And again, it's setting up the end and what it means after the end. There's right. A lot. There's a lot that could happen. But yeah, this is but this is just, this is the moral and the 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 emotional side that I knew was coming, and it also doesn't make it easy for me to like watch either. Going, oh boy, I have to watch this. This is rough. Yeah, so no, it's yeah. it's tough. I mean, seeing these kids laying on the ground, kind of begging for help and begging for their lives, is uh, is rough. They have a much more peaceful ending when it really goes away and they just yes. get to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but well. I guess it's not peaceful based on what we hear from them at the very end in the uh, post credit scene, but we'll get to that point. Um, not that Wanda could have ever known that that's what would happen. So um, all of these different threats are converging in the town square. 
we have Agatha, we have White Vision, we have Sword or the faction of Sword, of course, that is loyal to Hayward because it's not everybody. Some people are still loyal to Maria Rambo and her daughter, of course, Monica Rambo. But Hayward and his group are there and we get uh, they make good on the Incredibles being playing in the theater during the Halloween episode uh, because the hero family of Wanda, Vision, Tommy and Billy strike their Incredibles family hero pose, which was awesome. And we get some really great lines here uh, in tandem here from Vision and Wanda. Listen, boys, your mother and I never really prepared you for this. Won't cut to Wanda, but you were born for it. So awesome. Um, and then Vision and uh, Vision and White Vision head off to the library, um, not interrupting a neighborhood watch meeting. And uh, he says, my programming, or White Vision says, my programming directive is to destroy the vision. Uh, Wanda's vision says, but I'm not the true vision, only a conditional vision. White Vision requests elaboration, don't we all? Uh, but before we get to um, that uh, little segment and the discussion of uh, the ship of Theseus, this was just really cool superhero stuff right here. And this family mm-hmm. getting to come together and have this moment. And it's only this moment for now. But I, I just, I really, really loved it. And, you know, we see Agatha trying to, like, lift sword agents or military soldiers, whoever they are, in the air. Um, and uh, she tries to drop them. And then Wanda catches the soldiers and then gives that other great line that we have in this uh, sequence. Boys handle the military. Mommy will be right back. Uh, was just so cool. Uh, but there's also a, a great line from Agatha here. And this is where, when I was mentioning earlier and and Paul when you and I were talking about this earlier like okay where are the hints at other things for Agatha where's the hint at something more for this character than just I want power and it's when she one of those hints for me anyway is when she says that line same story different century there will always be torches and pitchforks for ladies like us Wanda and we never saw Agatha being persecuted by anyone other than witches, because all we got was her own coven trying to mm. execute her in Salem. But maybe before that, there were other things. And even after that, there were other things that... And maybe she's just referring to, again, the same thing, that even for even amongst witches, there are people who come at witches with torches and uh, effectively sure. torches and pitchforks of basically people who fear our power, make no attempt to understand us, their reaction to us is just to be afraid and try to hurt us. And that is a, a point of connection between Agatha and Wanda because people have been afraid of Wanda this whole damn time in the MCU, not just in WandaVision. And so I do think that is where that is something where if they expand on this in the future, and there will be a future between Wanda and Agatha, that much is made clear at the end of the yes. episode. Mm-hmm. This is where we could start to see these characters gain a better under a, a better and potentially more positive understanding of yep. one another. Yeah. No, and this is where I started shifting to go, okay. And I even picked up on that in the last episode. It felt like she was trying to show Wanda something. Like, again, that that teachable uh I almost say spirit, but the te- this way she was interacting with Wanda in the last episode and in this episode it just kind of confirmed this idea that there there are showing that there's a connection between these two characters and there it's not just volatile they hate each other it's again there's there's a rivalry but there's might be other reasons for it um this to me was a great example of like okay there's this is when i started easing to like okay yeah they are 
that open that open the door a little bit to we're more alike than you realize. Yeah, I mean, I think they very much do not like each other right now, but this is what opens oh, yeah. this is what opens yes. the door for them to eventually not hate each other. Exactly, and and, and this was and this would this honestly is what kind of justified to me like okay i like the way they're going about it because it's going to be it's a lot more dramatic of 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 a mentorship as far as or a partnership or whatever friendship that they're going to have because in the comic books again they just the avengers bring her to wand bring wanda to her because she can help her you know with her powers or whatever and we're going to get that essentially from this as well, but it's just brought to us a lot more, th- you know, dramatically and, and mm-hmm. as an antagonist at first. And again, it's different. You're bringing different elements in there with a the dark hold, which I still think it has a, par- a giant part to play about Agatha and Wanda, obviously. But this whole part was again, uh, kind of telling me, okay, they not, they're not just like, here's a bad guy and then we're going to get rid of her. No, 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 this was the start, which I thought they were doing that already, but this confirmed like, okay, yeah, it's still we're headed that way. We're good. And I was ha- I was very happy with that. So this is where I was like, good work, MCU. Like you're not giving me the the comic verbatim. This is interesting, but you're giving me what I want still, which is I still like the fact that Agatha and Wanda are gonna have a, a will have some relationship. This opens that door because let's face it. I mean, Catherine Hahn has just been awesome, and like oh, the yeah. fact they now they, they didn't shove the door on that is now just looking in hindsight, just like a brilliant, brilliant move. Totally. So this character, they are, yeah, this character is wildly popular and they've left themselves the opportunity to totally make good on that and just explore that and delight audiences. And also I'll, I'll talk more about the Loki trajectory later on in the episode, but yeah, like this is kind of what happens with villains. We were super charismatic and we like, we've seen this happen in the MCU where, they are still kind of wicked and, and troublesome, but um, we're allowed to kind of, they do things that make it even easier for us to like them because there's a little bit of a redemption or path toward redemption that could be there, um, but we'll get there later on in the episode. Um, before we talk about the ship of Theseus, uh, one other thing that maybe is a nod to Pietro in the Fox X-Men universe is when Billy and Tommy handle the military, we see Tommy, uh, you know, he, of course, disarms everybody with his super speed, and he emerges from that with a hat and glasses that kind of look like the hat and glasses that Pietro was wearing, um, getting going into the whole kitchen scene and everything in X-Men Days of Future Past. So I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know if that is intentionally a nod or not, um, and I don't even know if, I don't, I didn't originally clock it when I first saw it, but then I saw the you know, people were sharing the photos side by side and yeah, that looks like maybe that's what they were doing, but if not, whatever, it was still cool. Um, but then we see, uh, we see Hayward. He actually draws a gun and he tries to shoot the kids. Um, so if you had any question about just how terrible Hayward is, here he is trying to shoot Tommy and Billy and uh, Monica actually steps in because she has arrived after rescuing Ralph Boner. Uh, she has arrived and she takes the bullets for the kids. We actually see her eyes turn yellow. So we have seen her with blue eyes. We saw her with purple eyes in the scene with uh, with Ralph earlier on. And now we see these this golden yellow eyes as the bullets pass through. And she basically just absorbs all of the kinetic energy in these bullets. And then they just, they pass through her and just immediately drop, except one gets by her, but Billy thankfully is able to stop that one. 
Uh, Billy and Monica admire each other's tricks, their superpowers. Uh, Hayward tries to get away at this point, and then Darcy comes in, and she just rams that vehicle uh, with uh, with the funnel cake truck that we saw back in uh, back in episode seven. So Darcy does get her moment. I know that she wasn't in this episode very much. It had a lot going on, though. I don't really... The only place I thought that she could have potentially been in but wasn't besides this sequence was maybe uh, the mid-credit scene, but or yeah, the, the mid-credit scene, but of course they do have an explanation of that, which we'll get to. But I like that Darcy got this moment because... And everybody kind of got their moment a little bit with Hayward, everybody who's had these issues, because he's picked on Jimmy Woo, Darcy, and Monica Rambeau, and they all kind of get their moment uh, in taking him down, which I thought was really, really great. And now, Paul, let's go ahead and discuss, finally, The Ship of Theseus, which was definitely a highlight of this episode. As much as I love watching Vision and Vision fight, I also just love this conversation between the two of them, and it's not really... A debate because they're both just talking through this mm-hmm. thought experiment that totally applies to them, but even applies to Wanda and, and other things that we're seeing in this uh, in this series. So let's just go through right. it. So Vision and White Vision have this conversation. Um, Vision says, "You are familiar with the thought experiment, the ship of Theseus, in identity metaphysics." White Vision says, "Naturally, the ship of Theseus is an artifact in a museum." Over time, its planks of wood rot and are replaced by new planks. When no original plank remains, is it still the ship of Theseus? Then Wanda's vision says, Secondly, if those removed planks are restored and reassembled, free of the rot, is that the ship of Theseus? And then White Vision says, Neither is the true ship. Both are the true ship. And then Vision says, Well then, we are agreed. At this moment, as they're talking through it, it suggests that neither of them is the true vision, and yet both are in their own ways. But the conversation continues. So based on what we're hearing now, White Vision is the ship of Theseus that was basically uh, reassembled free of the rot. He is the old planks free of the rot because he was taken apart and put back together by sword. Wanda's vision is the one that's made up entirely of new material. Uh, as we will, as they'll talk about as they go on here. So uh, White Vision says, but I do not have the Mind Stone. And Vision says, and I do not have one single ounce of original material. Perhaps the rot is the memories, the wear and tear are the voyages, the wood touched by Theseus himself. And then White Mm. Vision says, I have not retained memories. Vision says, but you do have the data. It is merely being kept from you. And then White Vision figures out the nature of his existence, a weapon to be more easily controlled. But certainly you are the true Vision, for you believe yourself to be. To which Vision responds, that was once the case, but upon meeting you, I have been disabused of that notion. So there we have Wanda's Vision accepting that he's not necessarily the true Vision in a way he is, in a way he isn't, and he'll talk more about that. And that's why he's still wondering what exactly he is. And he will ask Wanda that question later on in the episode. But this whole idea of identity, what makes you who you are, it's very obvious in how this applies to vision, as we talked about here. Like one vision is entirely new that was made by Wanda, just based on you know her own memories and her own love of vision and the other one is is the actual material the body that made up a vision but with one key piece missing and actually more than one key piece because it's not just 
the Mind Stone, it's when he's saying, I haven't retained memories. Yeah. Um, that's part of what who what makes you who you are, is we are shaped by our experiences. We are forged as the Scarlet Witches by our experiences, um, not just because of what we are born with and the organic matter that we are, or inorganic matter in the case of vision that we are made of. It is our experiences that shape us. And that's why when you go back into the ship of Theseus, when they talk about, you know, is if those planks are are restored and reassembled free of the rot, is that the ship of Theseus? Because it's like, well, if you strip away the rot, that is the experience. If you strip away the thing, the reasons that made you have to replace those parts in the first place, then that's not that's still not quite the same thing. And that's why the question is still there. And I, I just love this whole examination of identity. Yes, they did not invent the ship of Theseus. That was a thought experiment before the show existed. But the way they applied this in a show that is very much about questioning identity and, mm. and who we are, it's, as I said, obvious in the ways that this applies to vision. But you could also say this for Wanda as well and who she really is. And in the same, all of the same things that we, that we talk about with Wanda, these experiences that she feels have harmed her, these experiences that have ultimately led to her causing additional harm. Obviously, that it's bad that those parts of it happen, that those things happen. But at the same time, this is who she is. And it's part of our acceptance of who we are and not denying the rot, not stripping away the rot, not stripping away the wear and tear, but accepting all of all of who we are, all of the parts that we're made of and all of the way the parts that we're made of have been affected through our experiences. That is where we are arriving at the identity that we have of, of who we really are. And it's the full acceptance of that, the good and the bad, the wood and the rot, um, is part of uh, it really is part of achieving a, a healthier existing a, a healthier more self-assured uh, existence this was probably probably my favorite scene of the entire uh, episode to be quite honest um, I, I just love that these two characters are going back and forth and having this phil- philosophical like discussion of Again, it's their they're they're fighting or it's like a, a form of fighting of debate and of, of, but it's not like with fists, it's just with with words, as I discussed earlier. And I love that they, they they're going into, you know, what truly makes a person and that whole dynamic. and you and you beautifully put it all well together. I don't want to add any more because you there's nothing to add. You nailed it. But I will add the fact that I think that there's a lot of just so there's to me, I love the fact that they both come to the conclusion that they are both, they're, they're both vision. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just who is more true. Like, no, like they're equal parts, just different sides. And I love the fact that they come to that conclusion and that, that Wanda's vision, uh, is basically gives vanilla vision his whole, you know, everything he needs to right. become like this, this next character, which we don't get after the scene right. basically. Um, but with all that said, I, I, I think it's great that they establish the fact that this character is, is not the same vision. And I think it's also, we, I want to point out that I don't think it's going to be just, Oh, this vision is all of a sudden has all the memories from the other one. And it's going to be the same character. No, it, it's going to be still a, a different character. I think right. that's going to play 
a part with Wanda later on in the MCU. I'm not sure where at this point, to be quite honest, where they're going to go with that. Maybe we'll talk, we can talk about talk about that a little bit at yeah. the end. But but no, I I, I think it's it, it's interesting that he just flies off like peace and then is gone. Well, you know? I think and, it's overwhelming, and I think that's why he flies off. Is I think that. I mean, obviously, all of this information comes flooding back. And I love that Vision is very polite about it. Like when he first approaches and there's hesitation from White Vision, like, may I? Um, And Vision does a thing we saw him do actually with Norm and what he thought he was doing with Agnes. He awakened White Vision and he gave him his memories. Although I guess there is that question, is unlocking data the same as giving someone a memory? Because... Part of the memory is not just knowing what happened, but knowing the feeling of the experience. And even though he clearly is showing White Vision these unlocking the data so that White Vision can see in his own mind what happened, can he still unlock the full feeling of those experiences to truly be a memory? That is still an interesting question. And that's why, you know, that they both are and, and neither one of them is when we're talking about Vision as far as who was Vision before he died. Neither one of them can fully be that just yet. Um, and maybe white vision can be that, I mean, that is something that he may ultimately achieve. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with this character, but I don't need to. That's not necessarily a question that needs to be answered by this series. Um, it wasn't one of the main plot points. This was something that we were just alerted to, uh, last week. So it's okay to leave as the MCU often does. It's resolving its main story and leaving some threads, uh, still hanging there to be, uh, explored later on. Um, But the way they did that, though, of like the way the eyes changed and the kind of the looks between the two visions and then, yes, uh, him. But he does say at the end, like he is kind of self-actualized in that moment, like he says, I am vision. So after they have this debate of whether or not either of them is vision, um, yeah, neither one of them is, but both are and they're leaning towards both are because he's saying I am vision and he takes off. Meanwhile, uh, Wanda's vision goes out to uh, rejoin the boys and. We get a great moment here as we continue on the battle between Wanda and Agatha. Wanda tries to give Agatha a taste of her own medicine. So last week, or really just, you know, not long ago in in the actual time of what's happening here, uh, Agatha has just taken Wanda down memory lane in a very unpleasant way for Wanda to relive all of her trauma. Uh, Now Wanda is the one taking Agatha back and takes her back to Salem, where Agatha is bound to the stake, and Agatha sees her dead coven, and Wanda explains what she sees as the difference between the two of them, and I do think it is an important difference. Wanda says, you see the difference between you and me is that you did this on purpose, and it is a key point. Agatha meant to do all of this all along, and she enjoyed it. Wanda isn't all good, and she's not excused. She is culpable here, but she didn't She didn't mean to start it, so she didn't mean all of it. She meant to maintain it. She made a choice to maintain it, but she didn't make a choice to begin it in the first place. Agatha has been, as far as we know, and as far as what I think, has been making her own choices all along, even if she allowed herself to be seduced by the dark side with the dark hold or whatever. Um, But the dead witches start to rise, and and, and at first Agatha is playing as she's afraid of all of this, but then they turn on Wanda. And Agatha, what we see has happened. She has countered this move. And I just love the use of magic in this battle between Agatha and Wanda, that it's not just like 
hurling magic energy back and forth at each other all the time. Like, there's some of that in this episode, and that's what happens. They're having a magic fight. I don't have a problem with that. But I'm glad that they found some clever ways to do other things, to actually have different strategies involved in this with moves and counter moves. You know, Wanda trying to use some of Agatha's magic against her with the whole taking back with the memory thing, but Agatha already being... Agatha having a counter to that counter, uh, I just thought was uh, so much fun as far as just making this battle as interesting as it could possibly be. Yeah, I kind of think what, again, I I always go back to Agatha and Wanda being very similar. I think that's what they're going to play off of is the fact that, like you said with Wanda, she didn't mean to start this whole thing, but she kept it going. And I think that for me, it's like, it's almost like she's like the opposite kind of parallel of that where she like did something bad and then it went too far. Like she didn't do something initially. And I, I still think the dark hole is a part of it. I, I don't think you introduce the dark hole and just have it be, and then have Agatha be this, you know, I, I, you always talk about Loki. I never looked for her as the same as Loki. Like they're not even to me, they're not even close. Like she's a bad guy in a sense. Yes, still, but I don't think the dark hole, the dark hole is, is a Trump card for a lot of this. And I think that to me, it makes it makes a lot of sense, especially if the fact that she took, you know, something took control over her like she didn't have or has corrupted a lot of what she thought, because, again, I, I just don't see. Her I think being... she's been I I agree how she could be. Well, I don't know what the deal is yet because we haven't seen it. I could see how Agatha yeah, was haven't. corrupted by the Darkhold, but still making her own choices. Like, I don't think the Darkhold is like pulling the strings the whole time. Like, I think that Agatha probably started as her mom accused her of back in Salem. Yes. That she was trying to practice dark magic and she probably went in because Agatha does seem to be drawn towards knowledge and towards power. And I think that the Darkhold probably took some of that or may have taken some of that. And like, and she may have been seduced by it potentially. Like I could see some of that, although I, I still, I don't go to the way where all the way to Agatha, not necessarily being in control. I think she is in control. I think she wants these I, things. I but agree with that to an extent. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's where I think that you're, 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 you're onto something there. I think that she, it's like, it's, it's almost like it's, it's amplifying those mm-hmm. needs. It's right. not, it's not truly what she is, but she does definitely has that. That's why it's, it's, she's, you know, it's going too far. And again, it's kind of like Wanda, like Wanda has a similar thing. And that's why I think that and we'll get to this in a little bit because I think the, cause there's also seeds of that planted by Agatha here at the very end of this thing. So there's and I think the scene kind of shows you that there's 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 something more there. I, I keep going back to it. And but yeah, this, this is a great well, scene. I love, plus I love how the, I keep, Yeah. Well, the dark hold is it's important to remember all we're talking about in this episode is. As Agatha explains, this is one chapter of the Darkhold. So like that's yeah. a, I, that's another really key part of this when Agatha starts talking later on about, you know, Wanda having no idea what she's unleashed is, you know, there's there's a lot more information in that book that's relevant to other things that, you know, Wanda is probably not prepared for. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there's I don't know. It, again, it, it it gives us a great uh, just kind of setup. And I, like you said about this whole scene in particular, though, the fact that. I love how you know, Wanda's like, I got you. you know, I'm going to turn this on you. And she thinks she's like, got yeah. the upper hand. And then she's like, nope. Moves I, I and counter it. moves. It's great. I love it. I, I, was a, I was a great, great moment, man. I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, how do you make a magic fight interesting? And this is yeah. how uh, they, they did it here. And then so uh, Agatha's, you know, the witches go after 
uh, Wanda is like, told you so, you can't win, Wanda. Power isn't your problem, it's knowledge. So as we were talking about earlier, this is what Wanda is lacking is, is knowledge. And the knowledge is going to be key in order for her to understand her power in hopes of not having another big oopsie uh, like she had with Westview. And we'll talk more about that as we go on. Uh, but Agatha renews her offer in this scene. Give me your power and I will correct the flaws in your original spell. And you and your family and the people of Westview can all live together in peace and no one will ever have to feel this pain again, not even you. And Wanda rejects that. Back to Westview they go. But Agatha renewing that offer and the way she explains it here is key. Like this is part of when we're talking about ideas of temptation, of being you know seduced by the dark side, being seduced by kind of the easy way out. This is Agatha offering Wanda what she believes Wanda wants most of all. Like, well, look, you you had this ideal thing and you really liked it, except there were all these downsides, like you were hurting people. Um, so tell you what, I'll fix it and I'll do it in a way where you're happy and everybody in Westview is happy. So it's not going to be problematic anymore, even though it still totally would be. Um, but we're going to I'm going to give you the perfect version of what you attempted to do or, or even if you didn't know that you were attempting to do it it's ultimately what you what i think you really want and so i'm going to offer this to you uh, as a way for you to just give me this power and then you just don't have to worry anymore of course that offer is a bunch of crap so now we get into like the final final battle and wanda is hurling magic at agatha and wanda is saying take it i don't want it and this kind of started reminding me of and i was actually really Wondering about this, there was a office hour session that I hosted on our Discord the night that the finale was going to come out, Thursday night, and I was envisioning this scenario of Agatha wanting Wanda's power and like Wanda like trying to overwhelm Agatha with that power, uh, a la, let's see if you remember this, Paul, Ang Lee's Hulk in 2003 when Banner's Whoa. dad was Absorbing Man. Uh, in like just the worst looking finale a superhero movie's ever had. Um, mm. When he's like in the water or whatever, it's like you want it, and like the gamma power of the Hulk, and like you want it, take it all. And then like that was it. And like that version of Absorbing Man blew up. It was terrible. Anyway, uh, I'm happy that that's not necessary. I mean, they would have done it better here, but I'm happy that that's not actually what happened. So Wanda is hurling magic uh, around Agatha. And she's hitting Agatha on some on some uh, on some of the with some of the magic that she's throwing, um, but she's also missing her, but not really, uh, as we'll see. Um, Agatha Agatha is saying, "Come on, Wanda, escape your fate, release your burden." Um, and then Agatha saying, "There's more. I want it all." So Agatha wants more of that power, and Wanda finally uh, starts making contact again with Agatha. She hurls magic at Agatha. Agatha absorbs it. And we see Wanda being drained of life, of magic, of energy. She's starting to look like those witches in the coven in Salem. And uh, or at least that's the way it seems. Of course, that's not what's going on. Um, and then Agatha finally admits when it looks like she has Wanda dead to rights, that Wanda is going to be defeated right now. Uh, Agatha admits that her offer was never valid uh, about our deal. Once cast, a spell can never be changed. This world you made will always be broken just like you. And uh, Agatha presumably tries to kill Wanda. She was about to use magic on Wanda to basically finish Wanda off, uh, but she can't 
Wanda recovers. She was faking. And Wanda reveals that she was never missing Agatha. She was casting runes because, as Wanda repeats from Agatha last week, in a given space, only the witch who casts them can use her magic. Mm. Thanks for the lesson. So there's thanking her for a little bit of knowledge, not mentorship, a little bit of knowledge that was useful. Um, Agatha, I love Agatha's nod. That it's so great. Like we said, thanks for the lesson. I was like, yeah, all right. Um, and then and then Wanda says, but I don't need uh, I don't need you to tell me who I am. This was great, and I love that it's like using the villains thing against them. And actually, it was a member of our Discord group, David, who called out that this was a thing that could very well happen as far as how uh, Wanda might ultimately defeat Agatha. So it was out there, you know, the idea of this trap being set for sure, but. I don't I'm not being critical of this moment because it's awesome. Like when we see the reveal of the runes, it looks great. I absolutely love it. But they pulled a Mando with their previously on. And what I mean by that is the Mandalorian is often guilty of spoiling certain details about the upcoming episode in its previously on segment. Uh, And WandaVision has mostly avoided that. But there was that question of like, how is Wanda going to defeat Agatha? But then when they showed in the previously on, just with no other context, just inserting Agatha, defining that rule about the runes, I was like, okay, well, that's definitely how Wanda's beating Agatha. Um, So I I wish they would have left that out, especially because in a more organic way that isn't quite telegraphing the end as much, they did mention the runes again in in the opening of the episode, actually in story, as opposed to the previously on. So I wish that they hadn't included it in the previously on, but as far as the use of that, for how Wanda uh, defeats Agatha, I absolutely loved. And I'm not even talking about the costume yet. No, this was a great scene. And I, I, I know like, this is not a mentor thing, um, right. With this whole thing, but the fact that they nod, the fact that thanks for, for the lesson, mm-hmm. it just was like, Oh man, this was, I, I love it. I, I, I did love that for a number of reasons. I love the fact that the moment for the character, embracing that magical side of the character but also kind of again nod to the fact that that agatha definitely does help wanda understand her powers now it's not done the traditional way of the comic books again but i love the fact that it's still that's what's happened agatha has taught wanda something about her powers and also sets up another scene here in a second so i i like that i I like the fact that there's acknowledging like okay this character is still teaching wanda it's just not the same and i Mm -hmm. love that i thought it was a great moment and it was a great it was a great buildup because I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm like, well, was, I honestly, I honestly thought Doctor Strange was going to show up, like straight up. I'm like, okay, Sorcerer Supreme's going to come in, help Wanda, and then they're going to uh, team up to like, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I, whatever. Yeah. I, I didn't know. Wanda like, had to be the solution, but yeah, no, I, I get, I totally get I, wondering I about it though. Yeah, I, at the moment, I'm like, well, how's this going to work? Yeah, I just didn't know. And then when that happened, I went, oh, that's rad. So I liked it. Um. You know, I thought it was great. So this was this was a, a fantastic moment. And again, I got to I got a, a kind of a callback to what I love about, you know, what I wanted and a little bit and kind of foreshadowing still a little bit. And sure. got, it was a great, it was a great moment of, of Wanda uh, obviously developing herself as the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. I mean, when we see her taking all of her magic back and she takes Agatha's as well, because we see that purple magic flowing out of Agatha as well, not just Wanda's red or Scarlet magic. And that results in we get the full costume and it just looks amazing. Like we don't see it more clearly until they like 
come down out of the sky, but um, I just love this fully formed Scarlet Witch costume. It is so mm. freaking cool. Uh, tip of the cap to you. I'm, I'm guessing this was, I know he led visual development on the series, Andy Park, who was on our show back in episode 183. I'm guessing this was his design. Might have been somebody else on the team. Pretty sure it would have been him, though. Um, it just looks extraordinary. I, I just, I absolutely love it. And of course, costume designer, the entire team for this one uh, looks fantastic. Totally lives up to a reveal we've waited for for a long time to have a full-fledged Scarlet Witch costume. So I absolutely love that. And Agatha saying, oh God, you don't know what you've done. Um, Wanda takes them back down to the ground. Agatha wants to know what happens now if Wanda's just going to lock her up uh, somewhere. And Wanda's like, well, not somewhere, here. And she's going to give Agatha the role that Agatha chose, the nosy neighbor. And Wanda gives a little mocking, I'm sorry, which is not genuine. And Agatha calls that out. She says, no, you're not. You're cruel. Um, and then Agatha points out, you have no idea what you've unleashed. You're going to need me. Now, part mm. of this is Agatha basically begging for her life and begging to not yes. be in prison because that's what Agatha does when she's about to be punished for doing bad things. But she's still probably not wrong because uh, she has a lot of knowledge that Wanda doesn't and other things are going to come up as a result of Wanda's actions. And so Wanda says, if I do, I know where to find you. And uh, Wanda, of course, turns Agatha back into Agnes. I love Agnes's comment on the costume. Did I leave the oven on or is that just you hot stuff? Uh, it was great. Uh, Wanda saying, I'll be seeing you, Agnes. Uh, and Agnes, you know, not if I see you first, hun, which is almost like, is Agatha still in there somewhere? Uh, well, she yeah, totally she is. is. Um, she and is, maybe yeah. she's got a little more control as she's Agnes than, than Wanda realizes. But this is where we're pointing to the Loki-like possible redemption arc that I was talking about a lot last week. And that's not me saying that, oh, Agatha is just like Loki. No, there are some things that are sim are similar in terms of their trajectory, but also key differences. As I mentioned, Loki was pretty well-defined after his first story as far as what he was in it for and what was bugging him and what he really wanted. Um, Agatha right now, I mean, maybe we know what she really wants and she does just want knowledge and power. And that's it. But I feel like there's still going to be more to it, more to discover with that character. And I think the more we learn about Agatha, the more it will turn from that love to hate her, as you often do with villains, to like love to not really hate her quite so much and then go to like love to love her. <laughs> like, I think that's kind of a and that is a Loki sort of thing. Like Loki was very much the antagonist who was stopped in Thor, stopped again in the Avengers and then he started shifting on the redemption arc in Thor the Dark World. Didn't get there fully because he's still deceiving people and banishing Odin to Earth and wherever else while he poses as king and all of that. Like, Agatha's still going to keep doing bad stuff. And I don't necessarily know that she's going to turn into, or I don't think she's going to turn into a full-blown mentor for Wanda in the way that we normally associate them together in the comic books. It's not that, but... I think this will begin as, uh, or I should say resume, the next time we see these characters together, it will be an uneasy alliance. It, it proves true. What Agatha says comes to fruition. You're going to need me. And Wanda ultimately agrees. So she goes and gets Agatha out of Agnes in Westview, and they have to go do something together. And I don't know if that's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That might be another story later on down the line, and we'll talk about that in the post credit scene. 
So I don't know when exactly that's going to happen. I don't know. I, I have not heard anybody uh, spotting Catherine Hahn in London when where they've been filming Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, although they could have just got her in there without saying anything. But I, I don't know if it's that story or not. But there is a future with these two characters together. And, you know, that uneasy alliance, let's see where it evolves from there. It, it starts out as like, I don't trust you, but I need you. So here you are, which is kind of Thor and Loki in, in Thor The Dark World. Um, but then what's the next step? Where can it progress from there? And, and how will these characters, uh, will they form a stronger bond over time that maybe isn't quite so negative? And maybe Wanda will be able to help Agatha work through and discover some of the things um, that have made Ag that have contributed to Agatha being the way she is up until this point. Wow. Um, first of all, I do love the costume for Scarlet Witch. The only thing, sir, Andy, if you are by chance listening, is that you make that headpiece even more bigger, man. Like that <laughs> headpiece is like just it, I just wish it would be a little bit bigger. It's just my own personal thing. But otherwise, I think it looks great. Um, I love getting the more traditional Scarlet Witch character. I love when the we're able to get more of comic book accurate costumes because one, I just love that stuff. And I think that it just it makes it more fun. It just makes it more of a superhero thing. And I, I we've complained so much about Netflix. It's cooler than a red leather jacket. It, yeah, it's cooler than a sweatshirt and a hoodie. You know? I mean, it <laughs> yeah, really is. It, it is. It, it, reality. I wear, I wear those every day, you know, come on. Uh, but no, this is a great stuff. And, and again, I, I, I do, even though it's not, I was wrong and I, and I, I, I have no problem being wrong about Agatha uh, to an extent. It definitely feels like I'm like, okay, like they're setting up exactly what I want to happen. And I feel like there's not, I don't feel like there's a redemption necessarily still. I, I never feel like it, there needs to be a redemption for the character um, right. necessarily, I guess. But well, but even yeah. Loki was never fully redeemed. And I think so yeah, when I talk true. about redemption, I'm, I'm not talking I, I'm not even going as far as like Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader redemption. Like if you really right. look at Loki, he is not really redeemed in the eyes of most of the people he hurt. Like he did a lot of damage on Earth. He killed 80 people in two days in the Avengers. He never outside of, you know, a brief uh, stop by the Sanctum Sanctorum, like he's not back on Earth. Like human beings never accepted Loki before he died in yeah. Infinity War. Like they never did. So yeah, that's the audience for us. Like, well, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. But but even then, like we know we're we know what we're doing with Loki. We know we're because yeah. would we ever really forgive anybody who uh, killed exactly. eighty people in two days? No. no. <laughs> so, like, yeah, exactly. You know, so like it's it's cosmic fictional redemption right. within a heightened reality, and where like basically again we don't have to feel quite so bad about liking them. It is usually yeah. what we get uh, as an audience member. We got that with Loki, and that's what I'm talking about with the similar effect with Agatha. Yeah. I'm not saying those two characters are the same and their stories are the same. The effect on the audience and the audience's relationship with them, yes. I think, will have similarities. No, I, I agree with that to an extent. I mean, and again, I, I, I'm not going to, I'd be wrong to say that, that there, oh no, she's completely, no, no, I, there is definitely elements there, but there de but it's not even, I don't think it's close to being the same as far as the severity of what Loki has done. The what, but again, I love this because it's different. And I love the yeah. fact that it kept me guessing. And I want to make that very clear. Like, I have no skin in the game as far as, like, I'm not betting on this stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm not, like, uh, me and Sean are, like, betting against each other, you know, pitting against a competition. No, no, no. The, yeah. the beauty of the MCU 
and podcasting and talking about this is the fact that we can be wrong and it's cool to like when we're wrong we still like it i mean it's not it, i'll be honest it's never fun when you're wrong and, and you don't like it and 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 part of that is because yeah. maybe you have too much invested in what you want to have happen and there's always a danger in that but absolutely I totally am into what they're doing with Agatha because I, and honestly, Sean, I think it's because they're, they're giving us a little bit of everything. She's still kind of that same character. She's going to be probably that, or more than likely that mentor character for Wanda. And, but it's also a different version of the character that I'm really into. So Mm -hmm. I I love that. I love the fact they're able to do both. And I think that's brilliant storytelling to be quite honest. And also fan service and done the best way you're giving the fans what they want, but you're not beholden to what came before and having to be slavish to it. You're adapting to it. And I love that the writers and, and everyone involved have done a great job of not just with her and this, the entire series, you know, obviously the entire MCU, but this series in particular, they've done a phenomenal job of taking so many different elements and twisting them, but not losing the root of what makes right. these characters tick. And I think that's what I think makes Agatha so good. And this is, is Catherine Hahn obviously takes it to another level. And that's that goes without saying. But what I love about it is that they're doing all that. But it, in the essence, the character of Agatha still taught Wanda. In, it's still the essence of the character. So she's still doing what we need. I always wanted her to do. And we're going to get that eventually still. And I love that it's all still there. And I love the fact that Wanda, you know, is acknowledging, I can't just banish you. Because not only, cause I, think, I think there's a connection there above, I, I think she understands a little bit of what Agatha's going through. And maybe it's, and that's just me projecting. I don't know. But for me, I think there's a connection because there is a similarity. There, there is. She kind of understands where she's. Both, both of them understand each other because where they're coming from of being witches, of having their their history. There, there's something there, and I think it's telling that she can't just let her get away with her her own, you know, what's going on. But she she stores her away in a, in a sense to where she can always find her when she needs her. And I think that you touched right. on something that I brought up or. I wanted to kind of, you know, talk about for a quick second was how much is Agatha in there? I think there is an element of her having some free will, if you, if you, if you want to say, um, I said free will, if you will, uh, but I, but I don't think she can leave the, the, the spell that she has necessarily, but there is like, it's almost like a, a filter, if you will. Okay. Yeah. So, so Agatha is like, you know, is thinking something and wants to say something, it's going to come out in a, in the filtered way of the nosy neighbor, not the just Agatha. So right. that's what, I, that's the way I interpreted that as. I mean, it's definitely a very common phrase of not if I see you first. And then just the very cheesy thing of the, and it's a very nosy neighbor thing to say, right? Cause the nosy neighbor would see you right. first cause they're nosy. They're looking at you. So there is that, but yeah, there's also, because we know that, Agatha is so powerful that it it does feel like there isn't necessarily something more there, but it does feel like, yeah, there could potentially be where there's enough of Agatha that is still in there. So it might just be completely innocuous, might not be. Uh, We'll find out. Like, there's no guarantee that the next time we see Agatha, it will be because Wanda specifically has liberated her from being Agnes. That might be it. But there might be another way that Agatha is able to figure out a way out of uh, this predicament. So we'll just have to wait and see. But 
I love the resolution. I mean, Agatha can't just be left to where she is now and how she is now because she's such a huge threat, but also Wanda didn't just kill her. Um, and I, I think that is kind of a, a mercy that Wanda owes. I mean, I don't really think Wanda is meant to be an executioner anyway, but Wanda's done a lot of bad things. And so killing Agatha isn't really making things any better. And so I, I, I yeah. like the resolution to that um, in this story. And, and we'll see what happens next between those two characters. But the bigger resolution, the main resolution that had to happen in this show was now that all these obstacles have been removed, Hayward has been, uh, Hayward's been stopped. Agatha has been stopped. White Vision has taken off. He's no longer in the way. Now Wanda has to make the choice to set everything right. And I like how when Vision says it to her, like, I know you'll set everything right, just not for us. And Wanda's saying, no, not for us. And we see these tears in her eyes. And we haven't mentioned it yet in this episode of the podcast, but I, I guess it's, I, I think at this point it's just assumed, but the acting of Elizabeth Olsen and also Paul Bettany, which you did mention, especially when we were talking about the ship of Theseus conversation, just off the charts between these two. And Elizabeth Olsen in these final moments is just really shining with the no, not for us moment. And then Vision says it's time, which reminds me of Infinity War when he was saying it was time for Wanda to basically say goodbye to him and have to destroy the Mind Stone. Um, but this time, it's not quite as urgent. You don't have Thanos just walking towards them, trying to get an Infinity Stone. So Vision says, should we head home? And then Monica and Wanda kind of exchange those knowing looks of like, Monica, I know what you're about to go do, and I'm cool with that. I'm not going to try to arrest you right here and now, or ever, it turns out. Um, and we see the hex is coming down. Uh, and then back at home, you know, Wanda and Vision and the kids are, are walking back in. And as we see them walking down their street, there's this this bittersweet kind of expression on Wanda's face. It's like she's enjoying this walk with her family, but also incredibly sad uh, that she knows this is it. Like these are her final moments with this family. And we get a wardrobe change from superhero outfits to more casual wear for Wanda and Vision. And they tuck in the kids and Vision and Wanda talk about how proud they are of Tommy and Billy and we go back into some episode five territory where Wanda says, a family is forever. We could never truly leave each other, even if we tried. You know that, right? Well, this family is forever in ways that even Wanda doesn't know just yet. Uh, they kiss the kids goodnight. Vision says, goodnight, chaps. And then Wanda says, boys, thanks for choosing me to be your mom. So uh, this show pulls very aggressively at the heartstrings, uh, especially mm -hmm. in this moment. And then the conversation we'll get between Vision and Wanda after this. Um, but this goodbye to the kids, um, I thought was really well done. And and I know like you could certainly make the point of, well, like, wait a minute, these kids are about to die and they're just leaving them alone. Like they're at peace. They're going to bed. Um, and Wanda and Vision need to have their last moment together. So um, they're not going to suffer in the way that they were uh, earlier in the episode, um, except for, you know, post credit scene. But we'll get there. And, and as I said before, Wanda can't know that. Um, but this goodbye to the kids, I, I thought was you know, very, very sweet, but yeah, just ridiculously sad. Yeah, it was, uh, oh man, that was, that was rough. That was rough, it, but it, it, was, it was super bummer, obviously, but it's also, it's, I don't take it the same way because I know like in one way or form these, these characters are coming back. So it's like, 
at the moment, yes, but I'm yeah. like, well, they're coming back. Well, so you got to take it for what it means to the characters. It's like it's like the snap right. in Infinity War. I right. knew they were coming back. Like, yes, I knew that. No, they're not killing Peter Parker right now. Like, that's not happening. But like, they believe that it's a goodbye, and you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's what it means to them. It's us as an audience having empathy for the characters and what they know because they don't exist outside of this story except for Deadpool. Um, they don't exist outside of the story in a way where like they they know that there's going to be these other things that be that are revealed like those are discoveries to them in due time like in this moment this is goodbye for this family yeah no totally i i think that's where you know it, it was it was rough to see it i will say the fact that she's saying good night to them in that way it was pretty that was that was a that was a nice touch like yeah putting them to bed permanently is like oof, that's rough so that was that was, yeah, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. It was. And then we get this conversation, one last conversation for now, between uh, this until we meet again, as it turns out, um, conversation between Vision and Wanda. And I love that Vision wants to see Wanda and he makes up this bit about how he read something, that it was bad luck to say goodbye in the dark. And she just calls him out on that. It's like, no, I didn't read anything. And she says, perhaps I just wanted to see you clearly. And she goes, and, and he says, and there you are. Uh, it's just vision, just seeing Wanda. And that's enough. It's just to see Wanda for who she is. I thought was really beautiful. And they go to the window, they see the hex closing in. And then they have this conversation where, as I was talking about earlier, after the ship of Theseus and the conversation that vision was having with another version of himself in many respects, uh, vision asks the question, what am I? And Wanda says, you vision are the piece of the mind stone that lives in me. You are a body of wires and blood and bone that I created. You are my sadness and my hope, but mostly you're my love. Just beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. beautifully written by Jack Schaefer. Uh, they kiss and then Vision kind of goes through the sum of his experience. I've been a voice with no body, which was Vision as Jarvis, uh, a body but not human, and now a memory made real. Who knows what I might be next? And I love that they're teasing a future for Vision. I mean, there's another version of Vision who's out there right now and accessed data that could ultimately take the form of memories. So we'll see. Um, And then uh, Vision is saying, we have said goodbye before, so it stands to reason. And Wanda finishes that thought. We'll say hello again. So Wanda is saying goodbye for all intents and purposes right here and right now. Um, And that's why the moment means so much and it's so it's so sad and you know bittersweet for Wanda that she's having this beautiful moment with Vision, but for right now, it's her last moment. And even though it stands to reason that they'll say hello again, there's no guarantee that they ever do. The Vision, who's white Vision right now, just because he was able to access some data that maybe uh, he's able to actually process his memories, doesn't mean that the love comes back uh, that he feels for Wanda. And so whatever that is, you know, there's just no guarantees of what happens from here. And, and so, you know, Wanda being willing to, you know, take that leap and, and say what very well could be goodbye. Um, and there is a goodbye at the end of this as the hex comes closing in and Vision says, so long, dar- uh, so long, darling. It's just, it's extraordinary. It, it was so yeah. powerful, so moving and just a great note, you know, a love like we, you've never seen was the, you know, the tagline for this show with WandaVision in their fictional sitcom reality, but then also part of the promotion of the show. Um, and that is, they certainly lived up to that throughout this series, but then in this final moment, 
between these two characters. It was uh, it's sad, it's heartbreaking, but it's also wonderful. This was a great um, written piece, and I uh, the show has these moments where Vision and Scarlet Witch are basically going back and forth with each other. Is just they're they've been so good and they're performed so great, and I just. I love the fact that we're getting these moments with them and these characters are just so they're they've been fleshed out so beautifully that again the the beauty of the medium the medium of television is this is the beauty of it you, you get these great moments and a film has such a short time to to give us that 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 information and it's great and I, I love films but there this is why the TV medium is is so great because it can build up so well and they deliver these moments where they really, really are impactful and they're just, ugh, they wreck you. And so, yeah, I, I love, I love this part and it just show. I'm just glad that both Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are able to give and, or get these moments where mm-hmm. it showcases their talent and it's not just them blowing stuff up or being things being blown up around them. It's them. The reason why they act in the first place, this is why they get into acting. Sure. They want to be, maybe they want to be rich and famous. I don't know, but there's gotta be a love for performing. And this right here is what, where, where a lot of those, you know, uh, thespians, if you will, I guess you'd call them. I don't know what everyone, whatever. Um, they, this is what they, they love to do. They love to act. They love to portray emotion and, and, and have these moments. And I think that giving them their due. And I yep. love the fact that these superhero uh, things now are able to do, do that in, in the medium of, of television, obviously in film too, but now even more so they're, they're able to kind of spread their wings a little bit more creatively in that way. And I think this is a great example of why we, we need more of that. So yeah, beautiful scene. Absolutely. And it ends with Wanda back in an empty lot where it all started. We didn't go back in time. That's just what it was without the, uh, the facade of Westview, uh, the sitcom version of Westview. Uh, so Wanda then heads back into the town square. We see the residents of Westview all looking at and very much judging Wanda, which is fair. They have every right to based on what's happened here. And then we get a conversation between Monica and Wanda where Monica acknowledges that the people of Westview uh, will never know what she sacrificed for them. But I really like Wanda's response to this, that it wouldn't change how they see me. And that's fair. Like, I don't think Wanda is saying that as a criticism. I think that's also, that's Wanda acknowledging, like, she doesn't deserve to be looked upon favorably by the people of Westview. What she did to them was harmful, whether she intended to do it or not. She also kept it going for longer than she needed to once she discovered what she was doing. So they have every right to be afraid of her, to judge her harshly. And, uh, you know, because she did some bad stuff. So, no, it wouldn't change how they see her. Oh, you gave up your family? Well, you kept me from mine, uh, would be a fair response from the people of Westview. So uh, Wanda's right in that her sacrifice doesn't necessarily mean that much to the people of Westview. Uh, But then she asked Monica, and you, you don't hate me. And here's Monica, again, just having empathy and compassion for days. Given the chance and given your power, I'd bring my mom back. I know I would. Hmm. Is That's where Monica's expressing like, there was something innocent about what Wanda did. It, it wasn't, again, there, it wasn't evil intent. It wasn't malicious intent for Wanda. It had harmful effects, no doubt about that. But this was Wanda 
And even when she was bringing him back, I mean, it was just with bringing Vision back, it was this overwhelming emotional experience. It wasn't necessarily a conscious choice that she made. Um, but here's Monica saying, even if it is a conscious choice, it's a conscious choice that most people would make. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and not knowing, of course, the harmful effects that it might have. Um, but it did have those harmful effects. And Wanda is apologizing, saying, I'm sorry for all the pain I caused. Um, and Monica says she knows. Monica accepts the apology. A little easier for Monica to accept. She wasn't in Westview as long as everybody else. Um, and then Wanda kind of defines her mission going forward. I don't understand this power, but I will. Goodbye, Monica. And then Monica says, bye, Wanda. Good luck. Basically, because Wanda might need some of that. Scarlet Witch takes off. Uh, she's traded in the crown slash headdress for a hood, which also looks cool. And I'm sure the crown slash headdress or whatever will be back. She takes one last look at Westview and then we roll credits. But I love this final scene. And I like that there was uh, one of the things I've also talked about as we've covered this show is that there needed to be some degree of accountability for Wanda, some degree of responsibility. And you can certainly make the argument that she still got off easy, like with what she did, that she shouldn't have been allowed to just casually fly away. Although I would also ask who was going to stop her. I know Monica Rambo is very powerful, but she's not powerful enough. Or even if she is, she's not yet mastered that power either, her own power to really be able to physically like restrain Wanda from leaving. Certainly nobody from S.W.O.R.D. is going to have Wanda uh, going to be able to stop her from leaving. Um, so we know that Wanda is genuinely sorry for and accepts responsibility for what she's done. And she did have to make a sacrifice. That family, just because they don't exist outside the hex yet, uh, doesn't mean that they aren't real to Wanda. They totally are. Her love for them is real. They are real within the hex. And she gave that up in order because she knew that it was the right thing to do. And she had been doing the wrong thing. So she, I mean, losing her love, uh, losing her children, certainly, I think that covers atonement in a lot of ways. There's certainly other things that she could do. But even when we talk about the idea of like going to prison, well, our superheroes tend not to go to prison for the things that they do. Tony Stark and Bruce Banner didn't go to jail for their part in creating Ultron or allowing Ultron to exist. Um, but I would say Wanda took even more responsibility for her actions than, than Tony ever did. Um, you know, Tony felt bad outside of an elevator having a talk with, you know, the mom of a victim of Ultron. But at the same time, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't to the same extent that we see with Wanda with what she sacrificed. And also, even though she's not going to jail right this second, she's placed herself in exile, as we see in the post credit scene. So um, she is making sure she is removing herself from society to an extent to make sure she doesn't harm anyone else while she is figuring things out. So I I think I'm satisfied with that resolution for Wanda as far as how she's addressed um, the full extent of what she did. And I also like that in these stories, we acknowledge that, as you were mentioning before, like our heroes aren't perfect. And I, I like that they acknowledge that even people with the best of intentions, with as pure of an attention as, uh, intention as there might be, you love someone and you just want to bring them back because you have the power to do so, that the best of intentions don't don't free you from like any sort of judgment or free you from making any ultimately doing something that is immoral or unethical that you can still do wrong even when you mean to do good. Um, but then of course you have to take, should that happen, you have to take responsibility. You have to atone for it. And I think Wanda is doing her version of that uh, at the end of this, uh, at the end of this series. Yeah. You know, I, I, 
I don't know. And I, I think that there's there's cases for, for, for all of that. I think that yeah. I wouldn't go as far as to call it justice, but some yeah. degree of atonement. I think them all staring at her, having to live with the fact that these people hate her and have yeah. a reason to hate her is 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 a good start for, I think, for accountability. Is it the ultimate? No, but like you bring up a point. It's not necessarily the the heroes aren't the, the, these problems have and they're all they're not going to be held to the ultimate utmost accountability yeah. anyway i mean right yeah. so, well it's, and it's it's not real life they don't have the normal real life consequences exactly. that people yeah. would have yeah and then you bring you know bring up a point too like who's gonna stop her i mean at this point mm-hmm. so it's it's whatever i is it do i think it's it's she got off easy yeah let's be real she got off pretty easy i mean she couldn't i mean if sword who was who is a part of the u.s government it's like oh they, she's holding all these people hostage and you know whatever i mean but at this point, I think, but I, I still think that it's something that they're going to still bring up later on. I, th- I, I don't think Wanda is, is still going to be held accountable. And I think there's, she's still reeling from all of this, which we'll get into. And I think we disagree on, but I, I, I think that plays a part in this as well, to be honest. I think this is yeah part of, part of what she, her journey after this is going to be, because I think you're right. She did give up. I, I think she gave up a lot. Obviously, she, she she created these things in her in her head, and you know these things are from her, and she and she loved them, and she gave and she she gave them up. She did the right thing, but as we see in a little bit, that may not be. She has other desires as well. So and how she goes about them. So I don't, I don't think she completely learned everything mm. from what from what I got from at least from the way I interpreted this whole scene. Um, she just kind of was like, I have to deal with the, the fact that I did some bad things. Well, and- I think the same thing is happening. That's why I, I understand the argument and, you know, and it's fair to say, yeah, she got off easy. If we're looking at it in, re- if we're looking at it in the context of like, yeah, a, a prison sentence or something like that, but whether Wanda is in at the raft or, uh, you know, some other man-made prison, or she's in this exile that she's placed herself in at the end of it. The same thing's happening. I think that she's still going to be, uh, you know, devastated and grieving over the loss of her family, and I yeah, think she's yes. always going to feel guilty and bad over what, over basically the truths that her victims confronted her with, and and what she really did to them. And so Wanda sitting there feeling bad about those things and and struggling to be at at peace and come to terms with what she's done. I think that happens no matter where she is, whether she's in a cabin in the mountains or she's in a prison. So I think that's where, you know, there is some accountability. There is some atonement that's happening there. And so it's not, again, it's not real, but in, in these heightened realities that we're operating in with uh, the MCU and other stories like it, other franchises like it, I think that's really, I think it works in that way. And that cosmic justice sort of thing that we deal with in fiction, um, I, I certainly think that that it works. Um, but in classic uh, Marvel sense, and overall, just this series is, is great. And we'll, we'll do a wrap up after we talk about these credit scenes. Um, but just like a movie, instead of just getting a mid credit scene, we get a mid credit scene and a post credit mm-hmm. scene for WandaVision. Let's talk about the mid credit scene first. So we're cleaning up in Town Square. Uh, Jimmy Woo is telling people where to stage everything, medical and, and everything else. And Monica is saying, authority looks good on you, Jimmy, which might be a tease to Jimmy 
trading teams, maybe going from the FBI to being a leader at S.W.O.R.D. I mean, there's an opening for the position of director of S.W.O.R.D. Mm, okay. That could be Monica, certainly. Um, Monica's qualified. Uh, I don't know if Jimmy is qualified to be the director of S.W.O.R.D. just yet. Um, I wouldn't really argue with it if that's what happens. But Wanda, even if, let's say Wanda becomes, or I'm sorry, not Wanda, Monica. Now, let's say Monica becomes the new director of S.W.O.R.D., I could see I could see her doing that and being a superhero at the same time, which I think would be kind of unique. Um, uh, we've never really seen that. Nick Fury's not a superhero while he was or wasn't a superhero while he was leading Shield. So I could see that happening with Monica, but we also know based on this mid-credit scene that Monica is headed towards is headed to space. So she might leave even if Monica is the new director of Sword or becomes the new director of Sword. Maybe Jimmy is the one she leaves in charge on Earth while she's out in space. So. I do expect Jimmy to uh, switch softball teams and go from the FBI to S.W.O.R.D., um, and he will have a leadership position. We'll just see if it ends up being the top spot. Um, Mm. Darcy took off because I guess debriefs are for the week. Fine. Um, And then we see uh, an agent summons Monica into the theater, uh, which does have a bit of a Blade Runner reference there with the uh, Tannhauser Gate over on the uh, marquee. And this theater kind of, I can't tell if that's the theater that's where that theater is and on the outside is Warner Brothers, but the inside actually kind of looks like the main theater on the Disney lot. Um, anyway, inside the theater, the agent reveals herself to be a scroll. This is probably not Talos and Soren's daughter from Captain Marvel because Monica was friends or Monica had become friends with that uh, with that scroll. And so if that was her, I think it would have come up in that conversation. Uh, that scroll just says, I was sent by an old friend of your mother's. He heard you've been grounded He'd like to meet with you. Monica wonders where, and that scroll points up, and we cut back to Monica, who, of course, smiles because she didn't like that she was grounded at the beginning of the series. She wants to go back into space, and so the he or the old friend of your mother's that this scroll is referring to, there's really only two options here. It's Fury, it's Nick Fury or Talos. Yeah. I, ha- I have to include or Talos because this is still in the timeline of only a few weeks after Endgame, which means it's still several months before Far From Home, and we don't know when Nick Fury and Talos switched places in the MCU timeline. So maybe it's Talos, maybe it's Nick Fury. I kind of lean toward Nick Fury, but it could be Talos. Either way, um, since we know for sure that Nick Fury is out in space or you know, at some point in the relatively near future here in the MCU timeline. So I'm leaning Fury, could be Talos. And then as far as what this is teeing up, um, it could be teeing up Captain Marvel 2, because we know, obviously, Nick Fury and Skrull connections to Captain Marvel, and obviously Monica, we know, is going to appear in Captain Marvel 2. But then there's also the potential of this teeing up the Secret Invasion Disney Plus series that mm-hmm. we know is on the way. So it still remains to be seen um, which MCU project this is most directly going to uh, correlate to, but we will find out eventually. I I, really, I originally thought it was ta- uh, Talos, Talos, whatever you want to call him, and uh, but yeah, it's it, to me it's obviously Nick Fury, and I I I honestly took it as for uh, Captain Marvel, not Secret Invasion. Um, you could you could go either way, obviously, but I I t- yeah. I tend to think that's going to come first before Secret Invasion. So mm-hmm. I, I feel Captain Marvel is going to expand space stuff, and then we're going to get more of that space stuff kind of fall out in secret invasion because i i do think that there's probably going to be scroll obviously if you're doing secret invasion you're doing evil scrolls at some point so there's going to be scrolls versus scroll 
I think they're going to tease. I think this is teasing Captain Marvel because I think because Captain Marvel is going to show up again and it's going to be probably from space. Right. So and now they've already established the fact that she's not happy with Carol. So you're going to get, uh, I think, uh, I'm really they're setting up the fact that when Carol shows up in space, like Monica's going to be there and she's going to have power and there's going to be like this. What the heck? And then there's not a superhero showdown, but there's going to be some conflict, which I'm actually looking forward to. I think there's going to be a good there's going to be some good emotional back and forth between those two characters, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's just hard to know which one is actually going to come out first, because now that Captain Marvel yeah. 2 isn't coming out until I think like November of next year, Secret Invasion could sneak in before that. Uh, just the way like how rapidly they're making and putting out these Disney Plus series. Sure, not yeah. really sure, but also potential. And maybe they come out around the same time and work more in tandem. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, they both have to kind of be standalone in their own nature. It's not like you have to be watching both at the same time, like some sort of like long right, order right. crossover or something. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure what it's going to be. But in due time, we will find out. All that really matters is it points to it. It literally points in the direction of where Monica's going next in its space, which is where she wants to be. And that's exciting. So yeah. then we get our post credit scene. And it's Wanda in exile in the mountains. And I don't know, maybe that's Wendigore Mountain. I don't know. Um, no. In due time. But I'm like, that's not even really the point of the scene to me. So no, not even um, close. what I really actually thought of before anything else, when I started seeing like this remote landscape in a cabin, I was like, huh, kind of looks like the end of the Incredible Hulk. Um, uh, and is, <laughs> you know, a hero who's exiled themselves while he figures out how to learn and control his powers. Um, so Wanda is uh, in that in not an entirely, not the exact same position, but not entirely dissimilar from uh, Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk. Uh, anyway, uh, Wanda has figured out a new thing. Uh, we've seen this in the MCU. We just haven't seen her do it. So while she's hanging out, sipping tea in the cabin uh, or on the porch of the cabin, uh, she's also figured out astral projection and her astral form as uh, her, you know, as her body is, uh, as she's walking around sipping tea, her astral form is studying the dark hold and we see that, or we hear rather, the boys are crying out for help. And Wanda, of course, hears this. And that is the very end of our post credit scene uh, with WandaVision. Uh, and that's the end of WandaVision as it currently stands. So, yes, there are different interpretations of exactly what's happening here. Uh, Paul, I'll, I'll let you go first because I know you're leaning towards this, maybe not, you know, pointing to not just more trouble for Wanda, but from Wanda. I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of thinking a little bit of both. I, I, you know, I don't think she's, I don't think she's going to be the all inherent bad guy, but when you are reading the dark hold, I think Agatha is a great example of what happens. And I think that there's, there's no good to come out of her reading the dark hold. There's just not, especially when you already established that there's someone there, she could be going to for help and guidance, which we assume she hasn't done, but maybe she has with Dr. Strange. And I don't, and the fact that she goes by herself to isolate, and this is where I go to the fact that I don't know how much she really learned from her show. And I don't, again, I, I think she learned some way she has to deal with her actions and, you know, she had to give up something that was you know, again, meaningful, but she's going back. Cause to me, I read it as she's trying to find a way to get her kids back. And she's reading the dark hole to figure that out. And that's where, Again, what Agatha's even saying, you have no idea what you've unleashed. And I think she's unleashed something in her in into Wanda because now she's like she's she has this inherent power that she needs to understand and learn about. 
But the dark hole is not the only thing. And I think that's evident, pretty evident too, but with, with Dr. Strange. So it doesn't really make sense that she'd be isolating herself by herself to learn just to like, just to do, you know, whatever, like I need to learn about my power magic or whatever. It's like, no, like she's to me, I read it as she's trying to every way to get her family back to where she, what can she do to, to get them back? And I think, again, that's not, that's not something that we can, that I, to me, that's something that's relatable and understanding, but it could also lead down to dark, dangerous paths, which we all know one is a part of Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. So this is where I think it, I think Wanda with her power ability and with a dark hold is probably going to unleash something massive. So that's where I think this is heading towards and having a reason for her going down this road. And again, just like with Agatha, there might have been good intentions about reading the Darkhold, but there's going to quickly turn a different direction. And again, what does that Darkhold power do? What does it mean? That's where Agatha will probably come back into play in some way or form. And I think that it also goes, I go back to the comic books. This is what Wanda was trying to do in the first place with her her children. This is also something that they play upon. It drives her. Now, it, I don't think it's going to go the same way that the comics did necessarily, but she definitely like this this massive missing piece of her life. This drives her to be you know to do things, and I think this is where they're going. And I I don't I don't think she's inher inherently the, the the bad guy necessarily, but I don't think she's necessarily going. This is like a good thing what she's doing either. But that's that's the way I interpret it in any way. Well, I think her intentions are good, but we already know what her intentions are worth. So um, intentions by themselves don't necessarily have good results don't always produce good results as we saw yes. uh in this series but i also think that's something that wanda has learned from so i don't really look at this as wanda continuing down the path of being an antagonist and destroying the world in a way where maybe she doesn't intend to but she's doing it accidentally i don't see this as all being a problem from within with wanda so when agatha is talking about you have no idea what you've unleashed I don't necessarily see that as just being limited to you have no idea what you've unleashed within yourself by becoming the Scarlet Witch and embracing that myth, embracing that prophecy. There are probably other entities that will make note of that, that whose whose attention will be drawn by that. And that's what I'm looking at is like you've unleashed other people and other things that are discussed in are covered in different chapters of the Darkhold. I mean, certainly you look at this stuff and you're like, oh, the kids are crying for help. Uh, does Mephisto have them? I mean, certainly, I know we almost made it through a whole episode without saying Mephisto, but look, we're talking about the future did, now. Not we're not. <laughs> well, look, we're not talking about WandaVision anymore. We're talking sure. about the future. Yeah. And so all these other characters come back into it if we're talking about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Or another story potentially featuring Wanda later on down the line is Mephisto or Nightmare or, you know, who, of course, has been discussed and rumored as a potential villain for a Doctor Strange sequel. I mean, was a, at one point was going to be villain in the very first Doctor Strange movie. So, like, we know that these are characters that are on the minds of those at Marvel Studios. So, yes, they are not they did not play a part in this story, but they, of course, remain on the table for future stories. And so I could see uh that playing a factor. And if it's not them, it's somebody else coming through uh, a gateway that Wanda maybe has unwittingly opened 
uh, through her actions and her decisions at the very end of this. So there are a lot of things that could be unleashed just besides Wanda and her own power. Um, I actually do think it's perfectly logical and responsible for her to make the decision as she says, like she's vowed at the end of this, I, I'm going to understand this power. And she does need to understand it. Knowledge is the gap for her, not the power, but the knowledge of how to use and control that power so that she doesn't accidentally, inadvertently hurt anyone again, because she did that quite a bit in this story. So I think what she is doing is she is very, it, to me anyway, it's clear that she's trying to prevent that from happening again, trying to prevent herself from accidentally hurting anyone ever again. So I believe this is a self-imposed exile. If I'm going to go read this book where I don't really know this, like this is the definitive source on it. Like Agatha is even saying this book is the source on like, you're the chapter. It's this chapter in the dark hole. This is the book that you read. Like, yeah, she could go ahead and she could use Agatha as a resource. The problem is she can't trust Agatha for obvious reasons. The book feels like more of just an object, doesn't feel like something you shouldn't be able to trust, um, which, yeah, is part of potentially the danger of the Darkhold. I'll, I'll certainly concede to that point. But I think Wanda's intentions here are to remove herself from society so that she can try and understand this without anybody, without any innocent bystanders being around who might get caught up in whatever happens while she's trying to understand and ultimately be able to control this tremendous amount of power that she has. So I certainly think her intentions are totally positive in this. I know that doesn't necessarily result in positive outcomes, but I don't think this is continuing down the path of Wanda becoming an antagonist. And I really don't think that it's it would happen that quickly where we would go from Wanda making a choice to give up her family to do the right thing and free the people of Westview to she's still trying to get her family back and she's just going to cause more trouble in that pursuit. That to me points that she hasn't at that point, we've not told a complete story within WandaVision. And I know that these characters, their stories go on. I understand that, but we need to have resolved this matter of Wanda wanting family at the expense of everything else. Like she, and at the expense of everyone else. Like I think she has learned and she has grown from that. And I think that she has come as in this series, I think she came as close to being an antagonist as she may ever come to being an antagonist, and it's certainly as close as she's going to come for a while. I don't see it doesn't fit for me that the very next story is her being an antagonist in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. What I could see, and this is more of a later on down the line thing, or it could happen in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, is not necessarily her being an antagonist, but one of the things I've really enjoyed about the MCU and why I think it's been so authentic in the way. It has handled its character development, the arcs for these characters, is that they are all learning lessons and finding ways to better themselves, and, and they're making progress, they're growing, but at the same time, like, it's not a growth, is not a constantly forward trajectory. You, you make some steps forward that are positive and you grow in the right way, but there are also regressions, there are also backslides. And there are many examples of this in the MCU, but one of the more prominent ones is Thor. Thor's pride was something that got in his way and something he had to work past very early on when we met him in the MCU. And he had mostly let go of that. He had grown so much by with what we're seeing in Thor Ragnarok and what we see in most of Avengers Infinity War, except at the very end, because he told Thanos that he would kill him. He needed to actually, as he was to finish Thanos at the very end, 
he couldn't go for the head because he needed Thanos to see that it was Thor and get one last I told you so in before uh, killing Thanos. And that was pride. That was one of Thor's flaws coming back. He thought he had moved on from it. He thought he had grown from that enough to where he let his guard down. And at the worst possible moment, it came back up, not in some sustained way that made Thor an antagonist, but it just came up for a moment and it was too late. And it came at the worst possible moment. And by the time he realized the mistake that he had made, it was really too late to do anything about it. And that's what, and that's why he was haunted by it. That's why he's so haunted by it in Avengers Endgame, because he knew better. He knew that he knew better. And I could see something like that happening with Wanda. I don't know if that's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That might be another story later on down the line where Wanda has made these mistakes and she's had these blind spots and it looks like she's resolved them and made a very big, important choice that should point to a lesson that she's learned that will last you know, as she moves forward in her life, except that maybe at one critical moment in the future, and it's not necessarily her being a sustained antagonist. She might realize what she was doing and that it was a mistake. She might realize it immediately, but just because it came up in, if it comes up at the wrong moment, and it usually tends to, because that's the way things work in storytelling, um, it will cost, it may cost her, it may cost multiple people. The, the cost will be very, very high, and she'll realize that she did the wrong thing, and she'll realize the mistake, I think, fairly quickly, but it will already be too late. Those types of things uh, I could definitely see playing out I don't think that right now what we're looking at is uh, continuing down that path of the Scarlet Witch being an antagonist. I think she has, for now, resolved a lot of those issues until some of those flaws might creep back in momentarily uh, in a costly way later on. But if we're also looking at, you know, projecting forward here for this post credit scene, the kids seem to still be around. Uh, it looks like, I mean... I guess you could chalk that up to being a memory. I don't think she was looking for her kids. I I, I read her reaction yeah. as, as being surprised. I don't think she went into the Darkhold thinking, I'm reading this to figure out where my kids are. I think she was reading the Darkhold to figure out the nature of her power so she could understand and control it and not hurt people. But mm. then the kids call out and she's surprised by that because she's been working off the assumption that her kids are gone forever. And now it seems like maybe that's not the case. Her kids somehow seem to have survived outside of the hex. And I don't know if that's because their entire bodies are somewhere or maybe just their souls uh, have survived outside the hex and they're somewhere else, uh, be it, uh, you know, where Mephisto is, where Nightmare is, or some other yet-to-be-revealed antagonist in the MCU who maybe we meet in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And that might be something that happens here, that this is how Wanda enters the story is she needs help to figure out where her kids are. Um, it could be that, and that could be the jumping off point for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, totally. And as I said, maybe even the most likely scenario, but we also don't know exactly what this story is, and, and it's Doctor Strange's movie. It's him in the title, not Wanda Maximoff, not the Scarlet Witch. And so that's where I wonder if, even though they called this the series finale, it could still be the series finale if they bring Wanda back for another show and they just give it a different title. Because it's not WandaVision yeah. anymore because it's not her television show. But if we look at the pieces that are still on the board, and I'm not saying expect this series next year. This would be like after Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Some of these things that they've left open here may not be explored in Wanda's very next story with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It could be saved for a whole movie or Disney Plus series where we're looking at the kids, if that's not resolved in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. 
White Vision, which may not be resolved in Multiverse of Madness, and then Agatha as well, because we we still haven't heard anything to suggest that Catherine Hahn, outside of the very end of this show, there's nothing else that suggests that Catherine Hahn is going to be in the movie. Because uh, there's mm. nothing else that suggests that she's been around London. I mean, maybe they got her in there and, and we just didn't know about it. But there's enough here where if they want to give Wanda another series after this, after Multiverse of Madness, they totally could. I think there's a lot of validity to that. And I think that, first of all, you could also say Kevin Feige said this is a series finale for WandaVision. Yeah, you're right. For the title of WandaVision, yeah, it's yeah. over. But what about Scarlet Witch? Yeah, um, you new know, title. You've established that now. Exactly. Just retitle it. That's all you do. I mean, that's very, very comic booky as well. I can't wait to get like a trailer or a teaser for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I know yeah. it's months away, but that's certainly going to provide us at least some context as mm-hmm. far as what Wanda's involvement in the story is is ultimately going to be. Um, but before we get out of here, um, well, we're going to give some final thoughts on WandaVision. Before I do that. Uh, just or before we do that, just want to say thank you really quick to Ricky R, uh, PD Parks, Madeline G, Joel H, Kevin B, Dennis B, and Michael M for being some of the latest patrons over patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R, or just the link in the show notes. I mentioned way back at the top of the show some of the things, the exclusive podcasts that we have going on. Uh, so make sure you check out all that we have to offer over at the uh, over at the Patreon. Um, but to sum up my thoughts on WandaVision. Just listen to the last nine episodes of the podcast, including this one. I mean, there's no way I can sum it up in in one eloquent little speech at the end. I really love this show and I can't I can't say enough things about it and, and enough positive things about it and how impressed I was. Yeah, I've got little criticisms here and there. Um, But overall, I think this show delivered in all the places that it needed to and so many more to look at the story that they told for Wanda, this beautiful story that they told for Wanda Maximoff, as well as Vision. And as they're doing that, they also make these incredible introductions, an antagonist in Agatha, but then one of the best MCU hero debuts that we've ever seen in my book with Monica Rambeau or Photon, as we're seeing her powers uh, be established and evolve in this series. And then really fleshing it out with a great cast all around them. I mean, Jimmy Woo with Randall Park. Um, even Hayward, as much as he sucks, was a really good kind of yeah. subplot, you know, second tier villain in this story that I enjoyed. So I really think that this was something that whenever I was asked about my most anticipated phase four new era Marvel thing, I first to make it easier on myself, split it between movies and series. And then for series, I I never wanted to use the phrase most anticipated because guess what? I'm super excited about every single thing they've announced. But most intriguing was WandaVision. And Mm. this made good on all of that. It didn't just satisfy my curiosity. It gave me a truly emotionally fulfilling experience with so many of these characters and the story that they told. And I just, I can't give enough credit to... Uh, Matt Shackman for directing the series, Jack Schaefer as the head writer, Kevin Feige for coming up with this, uh, the initial idea for this sitcom MCU thing with Wanda Maximoff in the first place, and everybody involved, Laura Donnie, who wrote, of course, episode eight, uh, which I do think stands out as as the best episode of the series in, in the nine episodes, although they're all really great and I, all, I enjoy all of them, um, but just a, a phenomenal piece of art from Marvel Studios and the entire team. The, the level of care and craft that went into this show 
is just second to none. I mean, everything go down the line, mm. visual development, production design, costume design, everybody was just clearly pouring every ounce of their talent and their effort into this series. And it shows in the work, which is really, really special. I love WandaVision and we are so lucky to have it. Yeah, I think it's well said. I, I think that it's a beautiful piece of art and I think it's a great accomplishment of what the MCU is now is evolving into something. It, it's not just films, it's TV series. And it, I love the fact that it's kind of going in different directions. And this is a great, a great example of what the characters in the comic books that they've given so many people over the years. And now they're giving to mainstream fans out there in, in a different medium adapted to a different place, but it's still essentially the same things. And, they're there and and they're and they're they're told a different way and I love the the dynamics that they're they're able to kind of go between the two different things and it, it's a it's, it is a beautiful series it was a great great adaptation and an amalgam of different ideas from the comic books put into this story which again Kevin Feige is just, is so brilliant at and is no one can compare um, to him as far as like where he's able to just navigate and knows what is going to you know trigger with a uh, in a good way. Uh, to an audience. And so, yeah. And everyone, all the performances were obviously, I think Elizabeth Olsen needs an Emmy. Like she, there's oh, no, like just yeah. give it to her, just, just give it to her now. Yeah. Like, skip right past the nomination. Just hand it to her. You hand it to her. I think yeah. everyone would be like, yeah, that, that's, that's fair. I mean, I mean she, yeah, yeah, this series is going to be, and I'm guessing because they called this the series finale and haven't announced the second season, it will probably compete in limited series categories. So best series, best actress, Elizabeth Olsen, best actor, Paul Bettany, I mean, supporting nods, uh, certainly you look at Tiana Paris, uh, Catherine Hahn are, are definitely going to be in the running for the just incredible work that they delivered in this series uh, across the board for writing. As I mentioned, I think uh, you might see multiple episodes of this series get nominated for writing because that can happen with the Emmys. Certainly, I think episode eight is going to be nominated. Um, but also, I mean, Megan McDonald, who wrote episode, I think, three and, and was shared writing credit for episode four and is writing Captain Marvel, two, um, And then the, the craft categories, as I said, production design, costume design, like these are places, makeup and hairstyling, like these are areas where I think this series I mean, I know it's not the Oscars, it's the Emmys, it's a, it's a different academy, but we're probably going to be talking about the most widely nominated piece of art that Marvel Studios has produced, and and rightfully so. Well, not rightfully so, because a lot of Marvel movies have gone under-recognized for the, the level of work that's been, the outstanding work that's been delivered. Um, luckily, the Television Academy is not as snobby as the Motion Picture Academy, uh, which also goes a long way in helping WandaVision ultimately receive, I think, uh, the recognition that it deserves. And, and I expect that that it will. Uh, but the best, the most important part of it, though, is uh, this is not, uh, you know, and, and certainly important for something like Agatha, because she loves to talk about the undeserving. That's not WandaVision. It's deserving of all the nice things we could possibly say about it and so many more uh, and, and all the nice things that others have said and the acclaim and awards that uh, we think it will ultimately receive. Um, but even though this was the series finale of WandaVision, certainly not the series finale of this podcast, we no. will be back next week with our, uh, we'll be talking about the Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of WandaVision series. And then can you believe it? I can't, even though I know it's real, that in just two weeks time, we're going to start spoiler reviews for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like it's just ridiculous Can't wait. that that's what we get to do. Um, but we get to do it and we are very much looking forward to it. 
Thank you so much, though, for being on this journey with us uh, through WandaVision, putting up with all of our theories, hearing words like high evolutionary. Really yes. do appreciate uh, you sticking uh, with us through this show and just being part of our experience of enjoying this show is you know bringing this podcast to each and every one of you. So thanks so much for doing that. And keep following along with us at MCU Fan Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then just, of course, you're already subscribed. I think most of you are to the podcast. And if you're not, go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss uh, those episodes that we have coming up and plenty more over on the Patreon. Paul, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22, a.k.a. P-Thug, also the Comic Binge uh, YouTube channel. Just type in the Comic Binge, and you can find that on Twitter also at Binge Comic. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks so much for listening to MCU Fan Show. We'll see you next time.